Oh, it's great to be here on this Tuesday. Kevin Thomas, BJ Bennett, Ben Troop. Glad you're making us a part of your day as we count it down. Two more shows to go uh, here on 3 and Out. we got a lot set up for you today, including some special guests over the next uh, couple of days that we're excited about. We'll have one coming up in the next segment that uh, longtime listeners of the show might be uh, familiar with. So we'll get to that coming up in just a little bit. But it is the start of the college football season officially here in week one. The dogs out to defend. Uh, their title and joining us here, former uh, Georgia quarterback legend now with the uh, Bulldog Radio Network and Fox 5 Atlanta. DJ Shockley joins us here on 3 Now. DJ, welcome. How are you? Fellas, I'm doing good, man. I'm going to be honest. I'm on a high today. Uh, I just left Athens, Athens a few hours ago. It's weird that Troop hit me up about coming on with you guys. I left a few hours ago and I just received my national championship ring from last season. So I'm on a bit of high right now. I know Troop don't want to hear that, but it's all good. I'm going to send him a picture of the ring. Hope make your fingers swell up. <laughs> <laughs> well, DJ, speak to that. What's that, what's that vibe like? Because I know Mark Rick said, hey, we aren't, uh, we're not going to be the hunted. We're going to go hunt people. But the bottom line is you're handing out rings. Georgia is the defending national champion. How do you think they uh, they handle that? Is it the big, as much as Kirby Smart preached it, is it the big exhale of we finally did it, or is this team still uh, motivated to, and got that drive to go back to back? That's a good question, man. But I, t- honestly, when you listen to Kirby talk, I think he feels in a way that they are still hunting people because he wants still to be in the mind frame of, okay, yeah, we won a national championship, but we have to keep it going. And I think he's in the mindset of, all right, we won one, we were there, but can we consistently get it going? And we all know where he came from, a place where in Alabama where they won, you know, consecutive championship. That's where he wants to be. He doesn't want to be just one drop in the pan type of a, a organization or, or, or team that wins one and then you don't want another for years down the road. He wants to be considered a team that continues to be in the top four every year, competing for national championships. And the one thing he said way back when, you know, training camp started was, this is not a team that should feel complacent. Yeah, you know, we, we got some guys who played last year who was on that team, but there are going to be a lot of guys on this team that did not start. There are a lot of guys who, you know, maybe contributed a little bit, but that wasn't their particular team. So you can't say, all right, yeah, I won a national championship. There's a lot of guys on this team that's fighting to say, okay, yeah, we're not going to be the guys that looked at it as the guys that came after the national championship. So we want to keep it going. So the complacency for Kirby and his staff and his team, his preaching is not there. How challenging is this opener? I mean, Oregon's a top 15 team. They've been a contender on the big stage. Uh, what do you expect to see Saturday against Oregon? You know what? That's, a, that's another good question because this is one of those type of games you love to open up with because it's good for your team because your team has – Something to look forward to. They're excited in off season to get ready for this game. They've been excited for camp, knowing that you got a, a, a top fifteen opponent that you're going to play. Uh, this Oregon team is a team that's a top fifteen team. They won the you know the Pac-12 North last year, so they're a team that you're going to come here and know that they're a good program. And there's a lot of great storylines coming to this ball game. Uh, obviously, Bo Nix is a guy who was at Auburn uh, last year. Georgia knows him really well. Now he comes over to to Oregon, a guy that they know really well, but also has ties to the SEC. You got Dan Lanning as the head coach who was just here last year, part of this team as a defensive coordinator. So there are a lot of different things that you can look at and say, okay, this makes this matchup intriguing. 
other than, hey, this is a really good ball club, and you got to be ready for them because they're going to come, they're going to battle, they're going to play. they got a lot of great athletes. they got a lot of really good players on both sides of the ball that's going to push you. Uh, so this is an exciting game to be a part of, especially in the opening. And it's something that Kirby has talked about for a long time. Is he loves having these opening game matchups where you really play somebody where it really matters. Think about last year when they opened the season with Clemson. It's a game where you see exactly where your team is and where you're going to go head into this ball and head into this rest of the season. So they're excited about the opportunity to play a really good opponent to open the year. Obviously, ain't no joking with you when we first came on, but what what is that like for you? You know, you get on campus, you there to just do your job. All of a sudden, you know, uh, they give me they giving you a you know a national championship ring. You a guy that meant a lot to that program. Obviously, was a very very productive, successful player. What is that like for you? You know, you get in there. And I don't know if they told you whether or not. What is that like them giving you that ring because of what you're doing now? It's, it, it got to be like icing on the cake. Yeah, but did you know how it is? I mean. Us as former players, we look at it like, okay, well, we didn't really play, so it's cool, but it's not like when you played and you had the chance to get a ring like that, it means a lot. But it's definitely cool to, you know, be a part of the of the team, be a part of the organization and say that, hey, you had some part in this journey. And I think that's what's the coolest part about it is watch these guys from, you know, week one go all the way through the end of the season and watch how they, they fought and clawed, watch some of the, you know, stuff they went through at halftime they go through any game and to see it come to fruition and by the end of the year be able to get a national championship ring is pretty cool especially when you know we haven't done it in you know 40 plus years it makes it that more special and to have a part in it uh is pretty cool dj shockley joining us here on three and out dj you got oregon coming up on saturday dan lanning uh his first uh, go around uh there is head coach at oregon bo nicks probably going to be the starting quarterback how do you see this game unfolding? Obviously, some new faces there for Georgia. Is this a closer game than people expect, or do you expect defensively Georgia can still come out and dominate the game? This still is a game that's going to be closer, um, especially in the first half of the game, because there's still a lot of unknowns uh, about Oregon for you know Georgia. Obviously, you know the coaches, you know Dan Lanning, you know what he's about as a defensive coach, but the personnel is a little bit different. You don't know, you know, kind of the style in which they want to play with, what they want to do offensively, uh, you know what Bo Nix is about, but he got a different cast of characters around him. I think this is a very, very entertaining game for you know, two, three quarters, and eventually Georgia's athleticism, Georgia's uh, way of going, a style of play, I think you know, kind of outweighs Oregon in this ball game. But I think it's going to be a good game. Uh, obviously, two teams uh, with, you know, obviously national championship aspirations, and they know how big this first game is. I mean, not to make a break game, but it's definitely a one that can send you towards the trajectory of this team is headed in the right direction. So uh, I'm looking forward to, to being a part of this game and seeing what it's about. I think it's going to be exciting for fans to watch on both sides, and uh, it's going to be unique, especially being in, in the Chick-fil-A kickoff game in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. What's next for Stetson Bennett? I mean, you win the national championship, all the honors. Uh, what What's kind of the next level for him? I mean, it's tough to uh, go any bigger than winning a national championship for a guy like Stetson Bennett, a, a guy who was a walk-on and wasn't even the guy coming into the season, and then now he's the, the new hero. I mean, right now it's about, I mean, for Stetson, to be honest, I mean, how many more deals can Stetson make? How many more, uh, how much more money can he make as the Georgia quarterback? Because he's going to be in a good position. He's got a great team around him. Um, he's got a great defense still with the, the young and inexperienced guys that are there. 
but they're going to be just as talented on offense as they've been the last three, four years. And Stetson has the opportunity to be the guy in this spring. He's had an opportunity to be the guy in training camp, so he's had a guy to, to take all those number one first-team reps, which is big for him. Um, I, I think if he continues to play the way he did towards the latter part of the season, he can continue to kind of write his legacy as one of the, the top quarterbacks that ever played at the University of Georgia. He obviously won a national championship at the top of that list, but he has a chance to really stake that claim with a chance to go back and possibly do it again or play at an even higher level than he did for a full season. Kirby has done a lot of things. Obviously, he just added the national championship, was able to avenge a loss uh, you know, against Alabama. But could you say that the best decision he's made thus far since he's been at Georgia – it's calling Stetson Bennett and asking him to come back on campus. Yeah, I mean, obviously having a guy that's been there, done that, that's a big deal. And if you hear Kirby talk about Stetson throughout this camp, he just raves about his leadership, raves about his knowledge of the offense. And for Kirby, I know that's uh, a kind of a, one of those things you look at and say, man, that's one thing I don't have to worry about is my quarterback. And you think about coming to this game, if Stetson would have left, you would have been walking into this game with a brand-new starter. And if you have a brand-new starter, you don't know how he's going to respond in a big-time game like this. So to have a guy that's been there, who's done it, who's been tested, who's been through the fire, that speaks a lot to his team. It speaks a lot to for Kirby to know that, hey, I got a guy I can depend on in his big opening matchup. So I know he's excited to have Stetson back, and it's one of those perks of having a guy that's been there, done it, and, and he's excited about it. DJ, I mean, obviously, you've you, you been a guy that obviously played the position. You know, Stetson Bennett is such an intriguing story. Could it, I mean, could could we ponder if Stetson Bennett played at Alabama, did everything he did, would he have would he have won the Heisman? Because I don't get the fact that Bryce Young, obviously, you look at him stacking up, they look the same, they don't play the same. But what is it about Stetson Bennett that people just can't get the fact that the best, look, I've been surrounded by five stars since I came out of high school especially in this quarterback room, I was not the fan favorite, even if I'm still not the fan favorite. What is it about Stetson Bennett that people just can't seem to wrap their mind around because he's literally done it all? That's a great point, man. And I think, okay, if he's in another situation, um, Woody has got the same recognition. But I think it all goes back to the underdog story. I mean, you think about a guy like Bryce Young, he came in with all the hype. He came in as a five-star guy. Stetson Bennett, he came in as the walk-on. He came in as the guy that had to leave Georgia and come back. I mean, when he came back, he still wasn't the guy. So people still look at him as, oh, this is just a great story. This is a guy that overcame a lot. Maybe he's not as talented as the Bryce Youngs or the C.J. Strouds of the country, but he continues to put his team in positions to win. And I don't think it's not as flashy. It's not as uh, fun to watch when you watch Stetson. He just does the little things that makes your team or helps your team win. And if you look around the country, the guys like C.J. Stroud and uh, Bryce Young, they make the big throws. They make the big plays. Uh, they're doing it in every single ball game. And I think that's kind of the difference in how people view him as far as how he came in his story going along. Now, I think everybody loves the story, and that's what makes it special. But I think it's where Session plays at Georgia where they want to run the football. They want to – know control the clock you know they want to lean on your defense that's where he's kind of put into that bubble I think and you look at the lines of the other guys who I just mentioned they're going out winning ball games for them they're putting up four or five hundred yards a game Stetson would not ever do that because that's not Georgia's MO I think these other teams their MO is put it on the back of the quarterback that's ultimately why 
people view them in different lights. DJ Shockley, former Georgia quarterback, uh, now with the uh, Bulldog Radio Network and Fox 5 Atlanta joining us. DJ, appreciate the time. Thanks so much. All right, fellas. Appreciate y'all. Y'all be good. Will do. DJ Shockley joining us here on 3 and Out as Georgia, Oregon, coming up on uh, Saturday, fellas. And, again, a chance for Georgia to make a statement early in the season against a team that is Oregon as good as they were last year. Who knows? But they're, what, top 15? People think a lot of good things there that, that, that Dan Lanning is inheriting out there in Eugene. Well, and it, it, look, it's going to be a test. I mean, you're playing a team that people are talking about as being a college football playoff contender. Now, do I think in the second half, and Ben, we were talking about this, George's depth, George's talent uh, starts to separate itself? Yes. I mean, I, I think Georgia probably wins this game relatively comfortably. Now, how do you define that in week one? What's a relatively comfortable win in week one? I mean, that might depend on the person watching, but I think this is a good test for Georgia as the defending national champs. I really do. Every every year for the first game when it, when it, when it comes to a Georgia opponent, it's always, you know, perception and reality. The perception uh, of the first half is we're trying to figure out, who, you know, what we're trying to do. The reality of the second half is going to get ugly because Georgia knows what you're trying to do to them and you're not going to out-athlete them. Oregon got some good athletes. They ain't got better athletes. And people go, well, Dan Lanning, uh, he knows about Georgia. Well, Sam Pippen knew about Georgia too. And that's, he knows how the offensive line play. And just because I'm having access to those players ain't the same as going up against them. And just because I know their tendencies, I got to stop it. That is going to, that is going to be hard to do. And Bo Nix has not fared well, even when he was at Auburn, against no Georgia. It's not going to fare well when he's with Oregon. <laughs> it's going to be a fun game, obviously, there on Saturday. We've got so much to get you here on the show. A lot of stuff planned today and tomorrow uh, as we go throughout the show. 912-342-7184. You can join us. Give us a shout on Twitter at Pigskin Radio or YouTube or Facebook. We'd love to hear from you, but we got some special guests lined up, and we will talk to one. If you're a longtime listener of the show, you'll know who our next guest is going to be uh, when we come back. I'll keep it a secret, but you'll remember our next guest uh, when he joins us coming up next. It's three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. It is three and out here on this Tuesday. Kevin, BJ, and Ben, so glad you are with us. Counting down. Until uh, tomorrow, when it will be the last uh, three and out, our next guest, uh, surprise guest, some of you who have been longtime listeners of the show will remember our next guest. Why? Because he was one of the original three on three and out. Matt Osborne, welcome to three and out, sir. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you guys? It's good to be back on with you. Hey, man, we are, we're, we're doing good and, uh, you know, winding down uh, the show and, uh, you know, thought we wanted, we wanted to get you back on because... Matt, you were with us when we started it all. It was uh, you and BJ had done your thing, and uh, I was doing a show by myself, and we combined to make this thing called Three and Out, and here we are basically 10 years later uh, with, with the show still still going, at least for another day, but still going, man. And I uh, wanted to bring you back on and, and talk about the times uh, there on the show and uh, you know, just obviously uh, uh, thanks for doing it with us for, uh, <laughs> for all those years. But I know I get this a lot, Matt. How are you doing, man? I get people that ask me all the time, like, hey, whatever happened to Matt? And, well, now here's an opportunity you could tell folks what in the world's going on with Matt Osborne. Yeah, well, I'm doing really well, first of all. Uh, and uh, miss you guys, and I'm glad to hear that everything has gone well since I, I headed out. If those people who were listening uh, years ago recall, I originally left Georgia to go to Iowa to serve as a youth pastor, so I made a transition to full-time vocational ministry. I did that for... Uh, about four and a half years, then I met a wonderful young lady, and uh, 
got married and moved to Nebraska for a year where I did some more ministry work. And then, uh, man, it's been, honestly, the last couple of months have been a whirlwind because uh, we just had our first child three months ago. So I have a three-month-old son. In fact, I'm home alone with him right now. So if you start hearing some noise in the background, I know you guys are parents. You'll understand uh, what's happening. And then one month after he was born, we actually moved back to Georgia. So we are currently in Georgia, but we're on the other side of the state. We're in Noonan, and I currently serve as a residential offspring supervisor, which is another way of saying I'm a stay-at-home dad, and I hang out with uh, little David and change a lot of diapers and feed a lot of bottles. But, uh, yeah, life is, life is great. Can't complain. Matt, proud of you. Congratulations, and uh, good to hear from you. Now, uh, Kevin, Ben, and I try to try to book guests every day, okay? And people who have listened to the show for a long time know that even you know going way back, we've always been fortunate enough to have great guests. And I tell everybody, you know, you and Jim, you guys were just the originals when it came to going out, booking guests, researching, getting numbers, getting emails. I mean, back at the beginning of the show, of of, of the show, man. How many people do you think you would reach out to on a day-to-day basis? And Kevin, Kevin and I were laughing. You would go to like, you would go to find somebody's phone number, call them at their at their at their office, and say, "Hey, I'm Matt Osborne with Three and Out." And, and and because you have such an affable personality, most of the time it would go well, and we would get the guest on. Yeah, that was pretty interesting. I, I definitely did have a couple of phone calls where the person would be like, "Who are you, and how did you get my number?" Uh, that was uh, that was never pleasant, but. For the most part, it's amazing what you can do if you just look online and do a little research and then you're willing to, uh, to reach out. So certainly you have to cast a pretty wide net out there, but I found it really helpful to just go on like Wikipedia pages and look at, I would say, hmm, let's see, these two teams are playing in the Super Bowl this year. I wonder who some of their best players all time are. And I would just do a Wikipedia page, find all the players and see if I could find information and send out emails and what you find is a lot of people won't respond back, but if you get just 10% to respond back, it's, uh, it works out pretty well. So I used to tell people that uh, if they were, you know, I think that's not only applicable for radio, but for whatever you're doing in life, don't be afraid for somebody to say no or for somebody to ignore you. I mean, that's the worst they can do is say no. So we reached out and we did end up getting some pretty good guests and, of course, had a great time with it. And, Matt, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, because, because you chose to go on, uh, you know, and, uh, and do ministry is how I was able to even uh, – Come on the show, which I'm, I'm like BJ and Kevin. I'm super duper happy for you, super duper proud of you. But you know, this journey that you've gone on since you've left three and out is pretty interesting. I mean, you go from hey trying to figure out what life is gonna gonna become of me until now, got a wife, you got a little man, and I mean, what do you miss the most about when you was on the show with Kevin and BJ? Because obviously, you know, you know, it's I I enjoy myself every single day because Kevin and BJ have known each other since you know BJ used to sneak in Kevin's house and you know take uh take baths. You know, uh, in, in his house. But uh, what was it like, you know, uh, when it was you, Kevin, and BJ? Well, man, I, I have such fond memories. And, in fact, I used to tell people when they found out my background that I had worked uh, at a radio station doing a show for three hours a- every afternoon, they would say, why in the world would you leave that? And I said, it wasn't because I didn't love uh, my job or didn't love the people that I worked with. I mean, I had – such a great time. I said, I, I really just felt that God was calling me into full-time ministry. And um, of course, the Lord is, is my number one thing in life. So I felt led in that direction. But obviously, whenever I think back uh, to my time uh, at the radio station, I, I laugh a lot. I still tell a ton 
of stories. So, like, my wife, he definitely knows all about Kevin and BJ and Ben and CJ and Charlie and everybody else. She gets to hear all the stories uh, from back in the day. So, just really, really great memories. And I think that's honestly what I miss more than anything else if I reflect back on my time. Yeah, getting to talk about sports was really awesome. I, I love sports. Like, it's really cool. But most of my favorite memories were things that people don't know about at all, things that happened during the day, uh, like when we would have one-on-one basketball uh, tournaments on the mini hoop in the office and, and do silly things like that, just the conversations that were had. So uh, always look back with very fond memories and really thankful for the time that I got to spend there. Yeah, I guess we can let all the secrets out at, uh, at this point. Matt, BJ and I were talking literally before we uh, uh, brought you on. Uh, we we can't remember if we completed it or not, but we had the idea one time that we just looked around the world of sports and found that there was, all at the same time, uh, a Kevin Thomas playing, a B.J. Bennett, and a Matt Osborne all playing yeah. colleg- collegiate sports. And B.J. and I were trying to remember if we actually got all three of them on uh, to interview. I was trying to think back if we did, but that was something that we were kind of laughing about a few minutes ago. You know what I remember? I, I do remember this part. I know we got B.J. Bennett because do you remember where B.J. Bennett played sports? Yeah, he played at Elon. He played at Elon, which is my alma mater. So we were able to get B.J. Bennett. I think there was a Matt Osborne, if I'm remembering correctly, this was years ago. I think he was a football player at Valparaiso. And then Kevin Thomas was just, he was a nobody somewhere. I don't know. We didn't, I don't think we, I don't think we actually did ever end up reaching out and getting more than B.J. Bennett. But even that, that was pretty cool that we did have people with all of our names at the same time. Uh, might have heard this story, but we have to ask it again because it's so epic. Would you mind sharing the Orange Bowl, Northern Illinois, Rod Carey story for our uh, new listeners? Oh, oh, okay, yeah. So I always have to point this out, that uh, not to make excuses for myself because this is, this is really terrible, but this was early, early, early in my radio career, and I think at that point I was, uh, wasn't uh, quite on the kindness revolution train yet, and uh, – so, yeah, Florida State was playing Northern Illinois in the Orange Bowl. Northern Illinois had gone undefeated, and uh, we were able to get, I think it was their interim head coach at the time. He was just serving as the head coach for the bowl game, if I remember correctly, Rod Carey. So we, I set up an interview with him, and at that time in our office, um, if, if somebody were to call in, like we didn't have the caller ID in front of us in the studio, so we would have somebody else answer the phone call, and they would maybe give us a heads up of, you know, hey, this is the person on the line. Well, if I'm remembering correctly, like I had set that interview up for, let's say, 320, and almost without exception, if somebody was calling into the radio station, they were on time or they were late. They were almost never early. And so we see the phone start ringing at like 312, and I'm like, well, that can't possibly be the interview. So I'm thinking, you know, it's just somebody else calling in. And so we're having this conversation about what's going to happen in the game between Northern Illinois and Florida State. And little did I know that Rod Carey had just called in, head coach of Northern Illinois, and that he is now on hold. And being on hold, he can hear every single thing that I am saying. And so when I am asked, how do you think Northern Illinois is going to do in the football game? I don't remember my exact words, but it was something to the effect of, they have absolutely no chance. They're slow. They're unathletic. Like, I mean, I, I was really going in. It was not good. And so I am pretty much talking junk about this guy's football team. And he is on hold, listening to every word. 
I, I think it was PJ came into the studio with like this look of terror on his face and a little note that said Rod Carey is on hold. <laughs> and, uh, and guess whose job it was to talk to the guest during the commercial break? That's right. I had to pick up and talk to Rod Carey after I had just trashed his football team. So that was, uh, that was probably not my finest moment, if I'm being honest with you guys. Yeah, but, man, I mean, at the end of the day, that is, that, that's what they don't tell you about radio, right? It's, it's when you have the ability to laugh at yourself. It's when you have the ability to understand that, look, everything is done live. I don't really – there are no do-overs. Once Kevin say welcome back to three and out, I mean, I mean, Matt, we can do – we can fill up a month of the things I've done on this show uh, as far as, like, things I've said and done. But I will say, you know, when I knew I was – I never ever looked at it as I was replacing you. I was just saying, man, I appreciate Matt, you know what I'm saying, uh, giving a, you know, giving a brother like me an opportunity to come through because – I, I, I can hear the chemistry you guys, you know, would have. I mean, you and BJ and Kevin. And the thing about radio is you're around each other so much. You just get to knowing each other. You know, I know BJ going to say it's currently constituted. You know, I know, you know, I know, uh, I know Kevin will say, oh, well, that's a bad take. Like, you just, you just get used to it. But what I remember the most about you is, it's like, at the end, BJ said, listen, Matt, when Matt told us he was getting out of here, Matt was like, look, man, I'm going to book a couple of guests and that's it. Let's talk football. Let's get out of here, man. Like, I, I ain't got a time. Did you know it was time to move on when it was time to actually go? Do you say, look, man, it's time for me to go. I appreciate it, but it's time to go. Yeah, like I said, I, it was really just a feeling that God was leading me in a different direction. Uh, but, yeah, uh, man, it was such great times. Like, I wasn't in a rush, I said, to get out of the, the studio. I really loved uh, the job and really loved working with everybody. And I want, I want to get to something else because you just talked about uh, how radio is very much live and there are no do-overs. And uh, my wife has heard a lot of stories about some of the mishaps that I had on the air. And I'm sure uh, Kevin and BJ will remember some of these. Uh, gosh, I was trying to quote Bill Parcells one time. He said, what is it? You're, uh, <laughs> you are what your record says you are. And I got so confused in sentence that I said, you are what your record says you is. And, I'm, and then I'm just sitting there like, yeah, that, that, that grammatically makes no sense. That's not right. Um, I asked the guest a question one time, and literally the, the second I got done asking the question, they said, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't hear that. Can you repeat the question? And I'm like, yeah, I already forgot. <laughs> Seconds later, I mean, doing live radio is really, really, really hard, and I thought it was going to be super easy. And if you don't mind me sharing just one more, I'll make this story quick. So when I came to the radio station the first time, before they put me on the air, I didn't really have any background or experience. And I think BJ said, I'm going to let you do one segment today by yourself. You need to prepare as many notes as you can. You're going to speak for about 10 to 12 minutes. So pick a topic you know and take more notes than you think you need and fill up that time. And I'm like, man, I got so many notes. I'm good. I'm good to go. So the segment comes on. I start talking, and I get to the end of my notes, and I'm like, sweet. I had to have done it, 10 to 12 minutes. I look down. It has been one minute and 30 seconds. And, and, and let me tell you, there is no feeling worse than when you stare at the clock and you're like, I have nothing else to say, and I have 10 minutes of time I need to fill right now. Uh, so it's an, it's an awful feeling, but I had some great memories, and it really is. You have to have a sense of humor. Like, you have to be able to laugh at yourself because you're just going to say some incredibly stupid things. It just comes with the territory. Yeah, 100%. F you know, 15 hours a week, sometimes more than that, depending on what we were doing, that you're bound to mess up uh, every once in a while. But, Matt, I know BJ and I were talking. You were always modest about it. Uh, your playing days of high school football, we always say, hey, Matt, 
very good quarterback, had a chance to play uh, collegiate before you get hurt. Just talk about that experience of, of sports and uh, you know, I don't want to say brag on yourself because I know that's not that's not who you are, but just talk about the, you know playing sports and kind of the perspective it gave you coming into this thing with us, knowing, hey, I know what these guys are doing on the field and, and the work they're putting in and, and, and kind of what it takes to get to that level. Yeah, well, I appreciate you guys saying that. And uh, I, I'd like to go out on record and say, you know, I wasn't like in, I, I mean, I wasn't like a high-level Division One athlete. But back when I was playing high school football, before I got hurt, I was being recruited by some low-level Division One and a lot of FCS programs. So I got a chance to go on a number of different recruiting trips. I got to speak to a lot of college coaches. So that gave me a little bit of insight into how things worked there. And then when I eventually went to school at Elon after I uh, yeah, like I said, I played high school quarterback. I had two shoulder injuries back-to-back that kind of derailed my career. So when I went to college, I, I decided to help out with the football team. So I got to basically shadow under the coaches there, got to see the inner workings of a college program, got to see how they, how they run things and get some insight there. So I think a lot of those experiences definitely helped me out. And I, I never wanted to come across like, oh, I'm the expert, you know, because I, I never did play. In college, but but it does give you some helpful insight to be around the program, to see how the plays and see how the program uh, just works on a day-to-day basis. So that helped me out a lot when it came to things like dealing with recruiting. I would I would talk a lot about recruiting, or I would uh, write articles about it. Well, I did at least go through the recruiting process. I got to be around some college coaches as they were recruiting other people. So yeah, it definitely gave me some insight. But I don't want to give anybody the impression that I was like right on the verge of uh, stepping onto the field for the Falcons or anything. Oh, you're being too modest. Uh, <laughs> Matt, Matt Osborne joining us here on 3 Not Matt, man, I, I know BJ said it, I know Ben said it, man, but we're, we're awful proud of you. I'm glad we were able to, uh, to get you on here as we, we wind down the show because you were there from show number one uh, when we all got 3 uh, and Out started and we kind of sat down and said, you know, what is this thing going to be at the, at the end of the day? And certainly I, I get a, a yearly reminder of you, Matt, because you and I share the, the same birthday 10 years apart. And so I always, every, every time... Uh, uh, late July rolls around. You roll across my brain, man. And uh, now that you're back in Georgia, certainly uh, we got to catch up a little bit more often. But uh, man, we appreciate you making time. And uh, again, congratulations on the uh, uh, the uh, the youngin. And hopefully he'll be throwing a football here pretty soon. But uh, man, we appreciate you catching up. Take some time. Well, hey, congratulations to you guys on a, a great run. You were all professionals, and you were all really great people. That's something that maybe people don't get to see behind the scenes. But all three of you are just wonderful human beings. So I love you all. Thank you very much, and I look forward to catching up again soon. Absolutely. Matt, man, we appreciate it. Matt Osborne joining us here on 3 and Out. Glad we were able to catch up, uh, BJ, and that's taking it uh, way back. I want to say before – I know we're way over, but who cares at this point? Uh, Well, I mean, just be honest. Uh, I think one of the first things we did, because 3 and Out started once we grew from two cities to three. So we were were in South Georgia, and we grew and added added Savannah. And one of the first things you and Matt did – I don't know if you were on it. You and Matt did was did a – a spoof of was it Welcome to Atlanta? You said Welcome to oh, Savannah. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. BJ and Matt were were rapping of the Welcome to Savannah, and I was like, that was I, I always remember that. I was like one of the first or second things we did on three and that's out. Period. It way that's back. like I mean, no, no, that's like I segment mean, it, number it, it, two. Did, did like, they, not, did, man, I wish they was able to clip that. That was uh, nice. I think it was like segment. <laughs> two. Honestly, God, I think that was segment two of the entire show. And, like, uh, of the and very, uh, Dalton was on it. Yeah. There was a whole bunch of stuff going on. We've had so many people rolling through here. We'll have some more uh, special guests. But, man, that was great to catch up with with uh, with Matt Osborne uh, coming here on the show. It is three and out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network.
Good to have you back. Here it is, three and out. Kevin, BJ, and Ben. A lot to get to coming up here on the show. Uh, we'll talk some college football. Have some special guests set to stop by as well. But uh, BJ and Ben, we got a caller on the line. Let's go to uh, to David. David is listening in Brunswick. David, welcome to three and out, sir. How are you? Thank you. I um I just wanted to say a couple of things. Number one, I love you guys. I respect the way that you have always comported yourselves with dignity and not ever giving into the nastiness that can happen in this sort of a arrangement. And secondly, I want to eat a little bit of crow. Because a few months ago I called in before Georgia played Alabama in the national championship game. And I said, there's no way we win with Stetson Bennett. And Ben was the only one who said, yeah, you will. And so I'm eating my crow, and I'm going to tell you, I'm going to miss this show being on air. I'll leave it at that. Love you guys. Mean it. Hey, David, that means more than, uh, what's that again? Say that again. Yeah, no, that, I'm good with that. That's all I want to say. I'll listen to what you say after this. Hey, David, I appreciate it. I speak for, I speak for Ben and BJ, man. That's all we ever wanted to do is do a show that people enjoyed. And I've said this from the beginning that, the best part of our day is when people say they enjoy the show. I, I, again, because we get told we stink enough. I, I, I'm just being honest. I mean, like, there's plenty of people that will say they don't like the show, they stink, whatever. People telling me they enjoy the show, that, that never gets old. That always brightens my day. And, David, I appreciate you listening. I'm sorry you're going to miss the show. There may be other avenues to see some of the things we're doing uh, coming up in the future. But, man, look, that, that's what it's all about. I think when, when we set out to do the show, and I'll – not speak for Ben, but I will go all the way back, BJ, when we started with Matt. The goal was, hey, we want to do a show that's fun. We want to talk about stuff that's important to people. We want to talk about things that uh, other people are interested in that you know we can bring on nationally known people to say, hey, what are your thoughts on this? And that's what we want to do. We were never a show that said, hey, I want to see who I can clickbait into getting mad at me or getting mad at BJ. If you're mad at us, that's fine. I mean, but it was never our intention to come out and say, I'm going to say this just to get people pissed off. Like we, That was never our show. Uh, if we said it on the show, probably believed it. Uh, you know, we, there was some stuff where maybe we went at each other, and that was a little fun, but BJ was our goal to just go out and do an authentic show of this is who we are, this is what we think when we talk about college football. We're not going to come out and say something to get somebody mad, and there's plenty of hosts that do that stuff. Hey, I'm going to say something outrageous that even I don't believe, but somebody's going to get mad and... And, uh, and and come yelling and screaming at us. That was never a show we wanted to do. No, and and and, and thank you, uh, David. I believe it was for that phone call. Really appreciated. That means a lot. And I think all three of us, all of us, you know, here, uh, you know, appreciated the platform and and uh, appreciate your time. Appreciate being able to have a few minutes with you every afternoon. Uh, it's meant a lot to us. And uh, I know it's something that again we've really appreciated. So thank you for that call. We really appreciate it. And uh, Ben, this has been you know just a thrill for us to be able to do a learning experience so much fun 
And uh, it's not it's not our show. It's 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 everybody's show. We mm-hmm. always say it's it's the listeners' show, mm-hmm. and we've really tried to uh, to uh, do the best we can. And uh, we certainly appreciate the call. Absolutely. At the end of the day, man, you want to be able to you know you want to be able to work with people you admire. You want to be able to work with people you respect. But you know. BJ said that somebody told him at one time, you are a god to be, right? <laughs> when he's out and about. BJ, and because and, I think sometimes we forget the reason why if somebody walks up to Christian or PJ or you, BJ, or Kevin to say, no, they, they don't, no, no, they, they don't, they don't say, hey, Christian or PJ, they say, so you think this team going to be good? Because we are, we, we represent everybody around, you know, you know, Southeast Georgia that got an opinion. They just get to hear ours every day. Yep, I'm going to make, you know. The fact that I got Georgia fans, you know, telling me something I said about Stetson Bennett, <laughs> I know I done changed a lot. <laughs> but, but at the end of the day, you know, the Stetson Bennett thing let me further know that I'm a fan of college football players first and foremost. I'm a fan of college football second, Florida third. And sometimes two and three intertwined, number one will, will always be number one. But, man, you get a chance to do it. Our kids dominate the, the, the rejoiners. They think we stink because they don't have enough rejoins. <laughs> but I got to say this. That's true. Uh, today is my little one's birthday. Today is Yaya's birthday. She's 11 years old today. She got to be on the very first show I was on. So my first show was my birthday, 20, 2017. And she's right here. You know what she told me? Am I going on the show or am I going to stand next to you? So it's just like, so, you know, happy birthday to my youngest. But happy no, birthday, man, it, yeah. It, it, yeah. Is, it is. They don't listen. Thank God for sure. Thank God for opportunities like this, because somebody would have had to give us regular gigs and deal <laughs> with us. And so I appreciate you guys. Appreciate you, David. Man, I mean that kind of stuff. You know, I, I speak for Kevin and BJ. You don't know what it, what that type of stuff means to you. Listen, all the negativity in the world can't 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 uh, can't uh, supersede one you know ounce of positivity. Even though we get a bunch of it, I appreciate it. We got more to come. Here it is, three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you here three and out on this Tuesday. Kevin, BJ, and Ben, glad you're making us a part of your day. A lot still to come here on the show, talking college football and more. Have some special guests today and tomorrow as well. But first, let's go to the phones. Let's go. We've got AC on the line. AC, what's happening? Good afternoon. Thank you so much for taking my call. You know, Nick, I'm going to talk about, I'm going to ask you guys a, a tough question about college football. Starting next week, well, probably this week, I'm going to start giving you guys some crazy prediction. And you're going to have, man, this is going to scratch his head like, is he crazy or something? Trust me, my crazy predictions are coming. And starting next week, I'll be in a four different radio stations. Apparently, my band from the, uh, the, the station in Charlotte should be, should be ending after this week. I said something that I should not have said, but I don't care. Here's my question for you guys. I'm going to hang up. Who is your sleeper pick? to win the national championship this coming season. Thank you so much for taking my call. Thank you. There was a lot in that phone call, AC. I'm just I'm trying to, AC, listen, AC will, AC will tear, tear 30 seconds up. he gets get you right. AC you you want to answer the question? I'm, I was uh, like, sleeper to win. I, I, I don't think enough people are talking about Clemson. Just to get to that real quick. I think 10 and 2, or, or 10 wins, I think 10 and 3, uh, people kind of have Forgotten about them, I think. Don't forget about Clemson. If Utah could do something, do the unthinkable and make it to the college football playoff, I think they got a shot to win it if they get in. Hey, I, I, I have Utah in my playoff, so I'd have to pick them as the sleeper to get in and uh, potentially win it. Obviously, if Ben's Gators upset that apple cart. No, I'm just saying I like, can't wait to talk to AC next week and we break it down all the way down. <laughs> I don't even know what to say after that, Ben. We're coming back. We got take three around the corner. We'll talk to Rich Styles, back nine boys golf show. Boy, the it is still as the golf world turns. 
Uh, we'll talk with Murray Poole, Bulldog Illustrated. Uh, he has come on our show for a long, long time. And now I cover the Bulldogs for like 60 years. They're national champions. So we'll talk to him about that. Uh, Chad Brown, former uh, All-Pro NFL linebacker, talks some uh, football with us. Uh, Larissa Harris, who started out with us, now with ESPN SEC Network, will join us. Good to have you back. It is three and out on this Tuesday. 912-342-7184 if you wish to join the show. 912-342-7184 if you wish to join the show. Uh, hit us up on Twitter, at Pigskin Radio. Drop us a line on Facebook, YouTube. Uh, we've got a couple folks uh, joining the conversation there on our uh, YouTube channel. And just be a part of the show for today uh, and tomorrow. And again, we appreciate it. Uh, BJ was giving me a hard time because uh, you know David called a couple segments, so it kind of kind of hit me. I was like, I got it back together. Though. Hit me too, man. I got it back it's, together. It, it, very thoughtful. I will say we appreciate all the uh, the thanks. And again, people who take – I say it every day. Thanks for making us a part of your day because we turn the mics on to start talking. You're the ones that dial us up. And, uh, again, you make us a part of your day, which is important, uh, obviously, for us. But uh, you, you see value in what we're doing and want to listen to what we have to say and have fun doing it. And we appreciate that. Uh, and we are eternally grateful, and I'll probably spend 10 minutes tomorrow saying the same thing uh, on the show. But that being said, let's take three here on three and out. All right, fellas, take one. We're going to condense this down because we just, you know, had too much going on in hour number one. Top five games, week one, college football. Uh, what you watching? All right, now, maybe for the final time, I need to get clarity. Am I going oh my one? God. What? Am I going? People need to know. Am I going one to five? You go five to, five five to, to one. one. Five to one. All right, number five. Five best games this weekend. Coastal Carolina versus Army in Myrtle Beach. You talk about two of the best, most consistent programs, not just in the G5, but in the country. Both of these teams have been in the national top 25. Both expect, I, I feel like, to get to 10 wins, maybe be a player for a major bowl. Coastal Carolina has Grayson McCall back. Of course, Jeff Munkin's done a great job at Army, so I go Coastal Carolina, Army, five. Number four, Arkansas-Cincinnati. Great matchup. Cincinnati in the playoff. Uh, last year, obviously a lot of talent coming back. Uh, Arkansas, some people are saying, look, look, second best team in the in the West, maybe, after Alabama. And that game is uh, at Arkansas, so can Cincinnati go and win on the road against a ranked SEC team? Number three, Georgia-Oregon. I know it's top 15. I may be wrong. I think Georgia wins this game relatively comfortably. Maybe wrong. I don't want to overlook Oregon, but I think Georgia, clear favorite there, but still a lot of headlines, a lot of storylines. Number two, Florida-Utah. Ben, I know you're going to be nervous, but I'm really excited about this game. Saturday night in the Swamp, what to expect from Billy Napier, uh, Anthony Richardson. Utah feels like they're a playoff team. If you can win in Gainesville, maybe you are. And the number one, Ohio State, Notre Dame, two of the biggest brands in the country. Excited for that. I'm, I'm stunned. The line is 17 and a half? Like, I, I, I know Ohio State, but... Uh, Ohio State Notre Dame is going to be fun. I'm going to go one to five because I got BJ to go five to one. <laughs> you going one to five? Uh, You're yeah, breaking gonna, the rules. I'm, I'm not going to do. I'm, I'm going I'm to do the. No, I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going to go five to one. My number five. Listen, South Carolina has Georgia State. And for those of you thinking, oh, Georgia State going to get the brakes beat off them, I give you Georgia State at Tennessee two years ago. Georgia State walked away with that. Pay me my money. You do not. Do not. 
Play the Sun Belt if you do not have to. My number four is Georgia and Oregon. Dan Landon, you got to get welcome to this uh, head coaching thing, right? Sam Pittman, I mean, his first game out the gate was Georgia, and it was an RSC schedule. And they said, hey, look, we did a blind test, and uh, Sam Pittman, you got Georgia uh, first game of the year. And, BJ, I do agree with you. I think with, I think after the, after the first quarter, it's going to be much to do about nothing. Dan Landing, you know the tendencies, and you're going to have the tendency to get the brakes beat off you because that's what's going to happen. My number three, Florida State LSU. At the end of the day, Brian Kelly is the third highest paid coach in college football. He hasn't coached it down at LSU. He walked away from Notre Dame for the cheese. But guess what? The, <laughs> the three coaches previously at uh, LSU, like him or don't like him, they all won natties. That's what he got to go. Is Florida State quite quite ready for that? You think? I think Florida State is BJ because when you come into the game and listen, everybody's putting everything on LSU. LSU is still listen. If Florida State's still trying to come back to what they used to be, LSU is still living in 2019. This is not 2019. It should be a good one. Number two is Florida Utah. Oh, 7 o'clock game, Billy Napier, and you're not going to get no free wins. I mean, Bill, I mean, at the end of the day, Billy Napier's doing all the right things. He got an army. He said he need to build an army. He got 150 coaches. I think he got 100 players. He's doing everything the right way. Anthony Richardson, Javon Dexter, Trey Dean, you got to get the dub. Because I know somewhere Utah, they got Muhammad Diabati. He's trying to come back and uh, get a big win against his old team. Should be a good one. And BJ, my number one is your number one. Ohio State, Notre Dame. I mean <laughs> – that's college football playoff type game, first game of the year. I think the co- I think the coach day is going to have the best offense in the country. I think Notre Dame coach Freeman. I, I was saying this. You talking about a coach that that big shoes to fill, coach Freeman. I mean, being the head coach of Notre Dame is huge. They usually don't hire from within. If he can start out first game of the year, his first game as a head coach beating Ohio State. Even if my Florida Gators do lose, it ain't going to be about them. It's going to be about. Who lost? But yes, I mean, I think it's going to be some great games. USC, Georgia, Georgia State uh, 5, Georgia, Oregon 4, Florida State, LSU 3, Florida, Utah 2, Ohio State, Notre Dame 1. Yeah, some good games uh, out there. I'll start at number 5. The Backyard Brawl is coming back. West Virginia Pitt. Is that Thursday? It's Thursday night. West Virginia Pitt. Two Southern Cal quarterbacks uh-huh. are playing each other. Uh, in this now with a transfer portal quarterbacks. It is. And you have uh, two teams that haven't played in a couple of years because it got so rowdy. I think uh, I, I'm being serious. So, if West Virginia wins, there'll be a lot of furniture burned. Uh, at the <laughs> Sorry. All right, moving along. Number four, Florida State at LSU. And you go, come on. I mean, this is big for Mike Norvell, right? Mike Norvell comes out. I know BJ's like, Duquesne. Uh, no, look. no, listen. But that's they a look good. That, that's they, a, that's they a good. good. That was a good step. But, but if this you is are LSU if, in New Orleans. If you are truly back, you can't go – Hey, we beat Duquesne twenty-one to ten. Like they came out and dominated the game. That's what them sidelines going to be jam-packed with former players. They're going to have about ten thousand of them out there. But (laughs) but, but anyway, uh, you have uh, yeah, yeah. Florida State, LSU. I think big game for Brian Kelly because you come down here. We're going to talk about my family, and we're going to come out there. And hey, I've never seen a coach just spout more garbage. Hey, it's 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 probably an advantage. For Florida State because they have played, but it's also an advantage for us because we haven't played. Well, that makes no sense, Brian. Uh, but we get to find out where these teams stand. Mike Norvell wins. I think people oh, are going to they start, they're start the look hype out. train real early on Florida State. All right, my number three, Cincinnati, Arkansas, a playoff team from a year ago. I know Desmond Ritter going on, but they have been one of the best coach teams the last four or five seasons. Cincinnati and Arkansas with Sam Pittman. I mean, this is no cakewalk, right? This is not your normal. Oh, Arkansas has got this. I'm not saying Arkansas won't win. That is one I'm interested in watching. Can Cincinnati keep that momentum despite losing Sauce Gardner, Gardner and Ritter and those guys to the National Football League? All right, my number two, Oregon, Georgia. All the storylines, all the all the feels of Dan Lanning. Is, 
Georgia's the defending national champion. It's in Atlanta. If Oregon pulls off the upset, are they immediately a college football playoff uh, contender team in a soon-to-be shrinking Pac-12? A lot of storylines there. I have that in my number two. Number one, guys, I mean, come on. It's Ohio State-Notre Dame. He's like, that has been said. Talk about this could be an elimination game. Are you surprised at the line? 17 and a half. I'm not surprised at the line because one guy, one guy's Ohio State, BJ, with a proven quarterback, and you saw with those receivers that he got coming back, and another guy's brand new. They didn't, I think, I think it's, it's not as disrespectful as people think because if it gets out of hand, which it could, people are going to be saying, think, and like you say, uh, Kevin, it could be eliminated. Ohio State is coming for everybody, real similar to what Alabama's doing with their offense. Ohio State might have the best offense in the country, I mean, and they might have the Heisman front runner. So we'll see, but uh, Coach Freeman, welcome to the big time. Congratulations. It will not get easy because whatever happened to Cakewalk first games? Now nope. you got to play real teams. No, hey, I'm Nonsense. all for it. I'm all, no, I'm all for playing real teams. All right, moving along. Take two. As best you can, narrow it down to one favorite interview you've done during your time at 3 and Out, or on 3 and Out. As, as best you can. As I best mean, you good, can. There's dream. a lot of good I mean, ones. I understand. I, I mean, I know you're going to have a couple. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking one for you. Well, I started thinking about you. one went all the way back to pre uh, three and out, but that's neither here. Go ahead. Uh, so many. I mean, so so you don't want me to do the thing where I name like twenty five and well, say, I mean, yeah, but narrow I it mean, down as best you can. We got to we yeah. got to narrow it down. Um, gosh, I've just enjoyed talking to so many people. I mean, you think about, uh, you know, the like Cassie Russell comes to mind. I've always enjoyed, you know, his perspective. You think about uh, Joe Namath. We had Joe Namath on. Um, I think about. Uh, maybe Bobby Bowden, you know, just 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 hearing from Bobby Bowden, Coach Bowden, and this is going back, you know, sometime talking about, you know, his view on college football. Uh, you know, all the coaches, so many student athletes. I think I think if, if I had to go with one, I'll I'll go Bobby Bowden. Just you know, uh, one of a kind, and a uh, chance to chat with him a couple of times was was really special. Man, I've been blessed to be able to have some incredible uh, uh, interviews on this show. I mean, man, got a chance to interview Goldberg. I mean, really, really appreciate it. I mean, he was coming, does his own stunts. He, he's in a limo in the back talking <laughs> to me, and we did it for like 30 minutes. But because, because you know, being a former player, I feel as though it's my obligation to make sure I give former players a platform. The best the best interview I did was with Quincy Carter because Quincy Carter, we, we talked about life. We ain't talking about the sport. And I and people to think, you you know, if I say I want people to care about me past the sport, I got to show that same love to a guy like Quincy Carter, because I don't want people to just remember him from, you know, what he did as a player. He was on here talking about his sobriety and all this different thing. To me, that's why I get to have this platform to be able to give it, because a lot of great interviews, man, but Quincy Carter being able, I, you know, being vulnerable uh, for the world, to, uh, for, for the listening public to, 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 uh, to, to be able to uh, take grasp of it was something that really, really touched me. So Quincy Carter, for me, is, uh, is, is the best interview I've done on him. Yeah, I mean, there's so many. Uh... Trying to think, I think this was pre three and out. So a lot of my ones that stick out because when I got to ask all the questions. <laughs> okay. Uh, so uh, you know, I'm just, I'm just saying, uh, you know, I remember interviewing Freddie Freeman when he was at Gwinnett, and you know, some of the, but those were all pre uh, three and out. I, I will still say probably the coolest one that I just thought I was like, in the in the moment, like I wasn't like starstruck, but in the moment I was sitting, I was like, I really can't believe, and we got him on the show, like. And we're talking to him. And that was when Matt booked this uh, DJ Jazzy Jeff, man. I was like, I watched, yeah, Fresh, yeah. I watched <laughs> Fresh Prince. I knew, you know, parents yes. just don't understand. Summertime. And we're over here talking. Like, right. And I'm sitting there looking at BJ and Ben. I'm like, dude, Jazz from Fresh Prince is on the horn with us right now. And mm-hmm. we are talking about music and mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff. I was like, it was insane. You know, it's like one of those things where 
again, it was a fun interview, but it was like one of those things where everything kind of came full circle. We're like, I watched this guy on TV, and now I'm talking. Like, when you get older, it's different because, like, everybody's younger than you. Like, so now I'm like, okay, I watched him play, and, like, you don't have that same, I guess, kind of mental thing where you're like, I've watched. But, like, when you get guys, like, I watched that while I was a kid, and now I'm talking to him. Like, it's just kind of, you know, when I interviewed John Smoltz one time, it was kind of the same thing. It's like, dude, I got John Smoltz on the phone, and I was like, this is just surreal. This is what this business allows you to do. Where you're, That's right, too. There's just so many, though. I mean, Well, I mean, you're standing even, in front of somebody, you're going, yeah. Like, I'm standing here right now. I don't believe it. But even guests that we talk to every couple of weeks, I mean, still, it's just it's just Absolutely. so amazing to get get the perspective, get the opinion, hear the insight. Uh, you guys are exactly right. It's been amazing. I, did, I will say thank you to uh, Christian. Uh, he did find this second favorite interview, Dave Dorn. Let's play it. <laughs> Dude, is that kind of epicness? <laughs> where, where are you going to find that? I got to love it. I'm you got you to gotta let that go, man. We're going to make the playoff this year. We're going to make the playoff this year. Even though, uh, even though uh, Cam, you know, Cam Mercer, <laughs> I know he's up there in uh, Bristol. Hold still, still killing up there. What, he got uh, got the internship or what he have with ESPN. Cam first comes on the show, and BJ, you went on the show that day. And, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. and uh, <laughs> Kevin looks at Kevin and goes, Cam, man, uh, go, 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 go ahead and uh, go, go run that uh, Dave Dorn. And Cam is looking. He's looking at me like, well, I said, no, no, you got it. You know, I said, just push the button. He's like, push what button? I go, Dave Dorn. And Cam looking at me. And Cam, I say, Cam, yeah, Dave Dorn, that, Dave Dorn, that's how we do it. Like, no, 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 no. That's not how we do it. That's how well, that, Kevin well, that's, does well, that's it. a beautiful thing. At the end of, hold on, hold on. At the end of the day, right, BJ? That's why Kevin was getting stared down at ACC Media Day. This, this Dave, Dorn, this Dave <laughs> Dorn came out there. The big room away came out and looked, and looking at Kevin like if he even tried uh, to look over his shoulder. It's fine. It's beautiful. Just don't lose to Wake Forest or something. You'll be right. All right, moving. <laughs> they're they're preseason <laughs> top fifteen. They're not okay. going to lose to Wake. Oh, and while we're talking about teams, who was talking trash about Vanderbilt last week? I haven't had a chance to come on and talk about that. Who was talking trash about Vanderbilt? Yeah, well, that's why they had to celebrate. Yeah, with a bro- they a, a bro- they dropped sixty-two on Hawaii. They'll okay. be two and if they wind up two and eleven. That's, or two and ten. That's all I'm saying. They also knew we won't bam. They were arguably years. the most impressive team, and we they won. won. They, are, they, they, have, nice. they have the most wins in the SEC right now. That's all, I, I, I will give them that. All right, moving along. We got to do this quick. Take three. What is your favorite kind of inside inside the show thing? Like, obviously, we just did the Dave Dorn thing. What is your favorite like <laughs> I mean, inside the show? I would show say thing? how wrong all of us are at all of the quizzes we do, and like we make references around them in the office all the time. Like, I'll say something dumb, and Kevin will call me out on it, and I'll go, well, Kevin, is the moon a star, or is the sun a star? And like, Hey, we and, never claim to be Einstein yeah, doing Star and, Sports Radio. And, and no one seems to know. So I would just say, like, how wrong we all are mm-hmm. on all the quizzes. No, I would say we petty as hell. Like, we don't, let, <laughs> we don't let stuff go in the break. Like, something happens in the break, right? And instead of us answering the question, somebody will say, like, yeah, well, maybe you just, you know, say this. Like, what? I like how no one knows what. Maybe if you'd uh, looked at your show notes. And what happens is, look, when you're around each other, when you're around each other as much as we are, anything can set you off. You're like, hey, dude, just say it. Okay, welcome back to Three and Out, Kevin Thomas. No, I love to when we have a guest, <laughs> and I'll look at Kevin and go, Kevin, I don't know anything about golf. Like, I don't know anything. And then Kevin go, we're well, rich. And look right at <laughs> He's like, what you want me to It's too late now. Hey man, oh, the pettiness, man, the pettiness is the best. Oh, and I will say this: if you want, if you don't want somebody to know something about you, just tell BJ. He'll tell the world. Yeah, my my favorite uh, kind of inside the show <laughs> moment, and, and we actually have this. People won't believe this. We actually have it written down 
in the other room that is the Ben Troop Dictionary uh, of words. Where oh, yes. Ben has been known to make up yep. a word or two, and yep. I think there's a list of about 30 words, uh, the top of which is Morgasport. Smorgasport. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, 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 from the Raptors. From was the a good Raptors. One. <laughs> uh, um, what was the other one? Um, cluster Bomb. Yeah, there's been a whole bunch of stuff. Coming come, come to a merch site near you <laughs> real quick. <laughs> That's take three. We do it every day at this time. we got one more day to do it uh, coming up. We'll come back, talk a little golf. Rich Styles will talk some Georgia football coming up in about 15 minutes as well. It's three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back here, three and out on this Tuesday. Kevin, BJ, and Ben will talk some Georgia football coming up in just a couple of moments. But uh, first joining us as he does on Tuesdays, and want to have him back on one more time. Good friend of the show, Rich Styles, joins us here on Three and Out. Rich, welcome. How are you, sir? We're doing great, guys. Gonna miss you. Hey, Rich, we're going to miss you as well, unless you uh, can uh, find a way to sneak us on a golf course, and uh, then you can show us what uh, what exactly we're supposed to be doing. But every time you take somebody from the show to the golf course, nothing but shame uh, endures on our end. Well, I understand that, and Ben would be the only one I'd be afraid of. Is anybody going to touch you, Rich, man? Listen, I, I, know, I, know, I know this, Rich, and I, I know you. I, I heard some stories back in the day when you used to have, you know, earrings and everything, tattoos and everything. Yeah, I got a tattoo that says tattoo. <laughs> Rich joining us. Rich Styles joining us here on 3 Now, Rich, obviously, I mean, we kind of made a joke of this the last two months. And, uh, look, you lose more guys uh, to, to the Live Tour. And yeah. at what point do you think this slows down? Because I think Harold Varner released a statement and basically said, yeah, I mean, I'm leaving because of the money. Uh, and and at, at what point does that tide slow itself down if you're the PGA Tour, and how much of this uh, has caught them at, at the end of the day by surprise? Because at the beginning it was like, okay, fine, Phil goes and a couple of guys, no big deal, and it's been a slow trickle ever since. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, the Harold Varner one kind of surprised me today. Uh, but again, when you're looking at generational money for him today, for his kids, for their kids, for their kids, I mean, you know, you're talking, as I said, generational money, uh, you know, it's just, you know, something the PGA Tour cannot contend with, and you really can't get upset with the guys for leaving, except they're leaving history. They're leaving the opportunity for the President's Cup, for the Ryder Cup, uh, quite possibly for the majors, although those final decisions have not come yet. Uh, you know, they're definitely going to have to struggle if they get approved with the world ranking points. But as I said, I was surprised at Harold Garner, not surprised with Cam Smith or Leachman. They've been rumored or Neiman. I mean, those guys highly ranked. But, again, when you look at the money that they've been offered and the billions now that the Saudis have put into this, and it's, it's just something that the PGA Tour can contend with. You asked if it was going to slow down. I think it will slow down now until after the President's Cup. Uh, then after the President's Cup, there may be a couple more, uh, but I don't really feel like there's going to be a half dozen like there is this week. Rich, what's the, I mean, I guess we've been able to ask this in various forms for some time now, but from the PGA Tour's perspective, with more and more players leaving, I mean, what's the level of concern? I mean, how does the PGA Tour kind of view its product correspondingly versus live as we move forward with more and more golfers leaving? 
Well, I think you've got to look at the talent uh, that is leaving. Um, yes, I mean, now with Varner and, uh, you know, Neiman as far as in his 20s, I mean, uh, those guys and, and Cam Smith, number two in the world, uh, those are concerns, uh, but you've got to move on. And you can't get the money that they've been offered that they're putting into their bank account with whatever restrictions the Saudis are going to put on these golfers. Uh, but, uh, you know, the PGA Tour, the drama that they've had over the last three tournaments uh, for the FedEx Cup, uh, Rory coming back, uh, Scotty Scheffler trying to hang in there, struggling on Sunday. I mean, the drama that they have, you can't beat that anywhere in the world. No tour, no way, no how. And Rich, I mean, when you when you look at when you look at uh Rory being able to win the FedEx Cup, and obviously him always being vocal about the fact that look, I'm, I'm with the PGA Tour. How much does that help the PGA Tour? Knowing that look, our biggest stars, or at least a guy like Rory, is still we got his loyalty. But how much do a guy like Rory not have the same pull as a Tiger, even though he's one of the tops in the sport? Well, I mean, nobody's ever going to have a pull like Tiger. Uh, nobody's going to have a pull like Michael Jordan. Um, so, you know, I think Rory has a lot of people on this side of the pond and on the other side of the pond where he's from who love him, who love the way he plays. He's really stepped up with Tiger to kind of figure out some things for the PGA Tour, offer some suggestions. They've been talking for months about this. they become very close friends because of all this. Uh, I just think you're going to not – see the kind of drama and the competitiveness uh, on the other tour uh, that you will on the PGA Tour for years to come. You've got a lot of guys coming off the Corn Ferry Tour coming up in September when the season starts up again who are just going to be household names really quick. And one of those is right here from St. Simons Island, Davis Thompson. Rich, as you talk about that, uh, who are the names? I think Rory on the course has kind of taken over as the face of the PGA Tour. Is that that fair to say? Uh, how many more, as you said, nobody can be Tiger. How many more guys do they need to consistently show out to really have those good rivalries, those good names week in and week out? Well, I, there's so many young golfers. I mean, each week over the years, you know, we've talked about, you know, who's going to win, who's who's got an, an opportunity to win. I mean, there's 20, 30 guys who have an opportunity to win, as we've seen. Uh, a lot of first-time winners this year on the PGA Tour. Um, and I've talked with some of the people on the Back Nine Boys this past weekend, Bob Friend, formerly on the PGA Tour. There's so much young talent that is coming out of these colleges. They're mentally tough. They're physically tough. Uh, their game is by far, in a way, much further along than when Tiger came out of college. Um, and I say that with respect to him. But these guys are coming out ready to play. They they want to play the best. That's what you've got on the PGA Tour. Rich Stiles, host of the Back Nine Boys Golf Show. Rich, really appreciate the time as always, man. And on a personal note, thank you for, for coming on and talking with us and uh, enjoyed talking with you on some Saturday mornings uh, that we've had a chance to do that and uh, be out at the golf course uh, at various times together as well, man. And I, I really appreciate your friendship and, uh, and, and thanks for, uh, for always coming on the show. Well, you are welcome for that, but your, our friendship will continue and three and out is not out. They are in. Well, Hey, 
Appreciate that, Rich. Thank you so much, and uh, we'll, we'll talk again soon. Hope so. Thanks. Thank you much. Rich Stiles joining us here on 3 and Out, and I always appreciate Rich joining us. And Rich is, uh, I mean, if you, don't, if you didn't know, Rich does obviously the golf on the show on Saturday and Sundays, but Rich was a radio guy from way back when, so I always had an interesting off-air conversation with Rich about radio with just kind of how it's changed over uh, X number of decades as well. So appreciate Rich uh, coming on and joining us. We'll come back. We'll talk some Georgia football. We're going to check in with someone who's been on the show with us a bunch, uh, B.J. Murraypool, uh, with the longtime sports writer, uh, covered Georgia for 60-plus years. I think he went to like 60 straight Georgia-Floridas uh, there. And first time in 40 years, hey, you get to talk about Georgia the defending national champions. So he'll join us when we come back. It's 3 and Out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. I should make sure Dad got top billing uh, on there as well. Benjamin and... Yeah, her, boy, her voice literally sounds nothing like that. It went from that to saying, can I get the new iPhone? The answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> College football is back upon us. Uh, week one uh, is rapidly approaching. And uh, joining us here, had to check back in with uh, someone who's been... Uh, BJ, he's been coming on the radio with me for 22 years. Uh, a legendary uh, sports writer in the state of Georgia, covers the Bulldogs for a long time. You told me his streak is still intact, going to Georgia, Florida. Murray Poole joins us here. On three now, Murray. Good to have you on the show. How are you? Good, Kevin. And uh, I hear about the changes y'all stations. Uh, I just want to say to y'all that you and BJ and Ben have been tremendous to me down through the years, and uh, we're gonna miss you on that daily, uh, you know, stations there. But I know you'll still uh, be uh, putting out sports uh, talk elsewhere and uh, another venue. And uh, but uh, y'all been great to me, and I really appreciate you. And not only uh, great to talk sports with, but great friends through the years. Murray, we, we really appreciate that, and uh, I know uh, BJ and I, uh, especially if we ever had a thought about Georgia football, we come to you because you can remember stuff that uh, goes way back in the, in the Georgia annals of history, but I, I got to bring this for because you were, you tell the, uh, you've told us on the air many times that you almost miss the run, Lindsay, run play because you were like, oh, it's about over. I'm going to take the elevator and go down uh, to the field in Jacksonville. That was 1980. Here we are, 2022, and Georgia's the defending national champions again. What is that for somebody who was there for that moment all the way up to last year? What, what does it feel like to you this year coming into college football knowing that Georgia is the defending national champion? Well, it was a big relief, Kevin. You know, 41 years is a long time to wait. They knocked on the door to Bulldogs' house, especially in 2017. The, you know, second 26 beat them for Alabama in, in overtime, and uh, – a couple other times, you know, the SEC championship game led the tie by two touchdowns. You know, if those teams would have got in the, in the, in the final four, certainly well, the one did at the national championship game, of course, 2017. But, uh, you know, some of those other teams that just missed or got in, they might have done it too. But it was just great to see this team come together. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, the, the, a defense that I hadn't ever seen at the University of Georgia in all the 50-some years, I've covered them and watched them, Kevin. And, uh just a generational defense, and, you know, a guy named Stetson Bennett, a Cinderella story leading that offense, and it just put it all together, and uh, great admiration for that team to bounce back from a crushing loss to Alabama in the SEC championship game and, and beat this same team on the biggest venue in college football. Uh, it was just great. It uh, gave the Bulldog fans a finally like a sigh of relief, but it uh, it made them feel good about what Kirby Smart's doing and, and what all the other coaches, uh, I think, set the stage for. Coach Dooley, Mark Rick, uh, uh, they set the stage for Kirby where they recruited and uh, and uh, put Georgia on the map nationally and uh, and I think he just took it to another level and then we, what we saw last year in Indianapolis uh, just a great feeling and it's one that got to carry into this year and of course uh, 
you know, uh, as far as repeating, that's, that's going to be hard to do. Uh, as as you all know, I think 2011-2012, the Alabama team was the last team to uh, repeat in the in the playoff area era. So uh, and since the BCS era, I mean, started. So uh, it's going to be tough, but I think they'll be right there, uh, you know, with what they've got coming back, especially on offense, to uh, make another good run at it. Murray, you mentioned Stetson Bennett. Uh, how do you begin to tell a story like his? I tell you, he's, that's a hard story to tell, BJ. I think y'all might have seen or got wins. Uh, he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. I hope that's not the proverbial jinx on him in Georgia again, you know, with, but he made the cover. Uh, now, they may originalize those covers. I'm not sure, but had a great story on him in there. And uh, he's just a Cinderella story. Like you say, uh, I recruited out of high school, uh, went to Georgia, walked on. Joe did. He was a, a a great scout team player, better than the Oklahoma quarterback. <laughs> uh, the the players on his own team said facing him every day, and they played in the Rose Bowl, and then go to Jones uh, Community College in Mississippi, come back without a chance to coming back as a four string. Not ever sure he'd play, and just things fell in place. And once he got his once he got his foot in the door, BJ, you know, we all saw what happened. Just a great leader, not biggest fastest guy, but he's got great foot speed. I uh, will say that. Uh, Runs about a four 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 five forty, uh, which I didn't know for a good while. But uh, so you know, this is a guy that uh, just all the team looked after. They followed, and he made the plays down the stretch. Uh, you can't get any better than the MVP in the Orange Bowl semifinal playoff game than the MVP offensively in the national championship games. That's been a great credit to the nine one two area too, as y'all know. And Murray, when you think about Kirby Smart, I mean, we were first brought in to be able to take Georgia to to heights that Mark Ritt wasn't able to do, even though Mark Ritt was an incredible coach. He's done it all. I mean, no. I mean, you look at how he won the national championship with a walk-on quarterback. You look at what he was able to do when he had a Jake Fromm there. You look at what the defense last year. We've never seen anything like that. Now he's coming off the national championship. How much more pressure? Not not a hot seat, but how much hotter in a sense does it get at Georgia? Because now they've seen him win it. Now they want to see him continue to do what he did last year and keep horsing up college football national championship trophies. Yeah, Ben. I think he's got eleven million dollars worth of pressure. <laughs> You might say, uh, you know, had the highest salary, but we all knew that kind of that Alabama wouldn't let Nick stay uh, number two in the college uh, football hierarchy uh, when it comes to making money or salary, you know. So Kirby's certainly a lot of pressure, but I think he thrives on it. Uh, he says we want the pressure, you know, and what really jumped out to me, y'all saw it at the SEC media days. Somebody said, are you going to be hunted this year? He said, no, we're never going to be the hunted at Georgia. We're going to be the hunter, you know, and uh, – that's his mindset. He's relentless in practice. On top of those guys, they, it's, a lot of people that's watched their practice said it's the most intense they've ever seen. You know, they never walk. Nobody walks on the field, and they run from one place to the other. It's just uh, the coaches are right on top of them with the groups, uh, groups. And uh, Kirby's just a uh, he's just a college football coach. And uh, you know, as long as he's coaching the defense along with somebody like Will Muschamp, uh, certainly losing Dan Lanning's a good blow to anybody. And we'll find out more. Uh, this Saturday, how that goes, but uh, uh, you know, I think Kirby Smart, as long as he's a head coach and around the defense, Georgia's always going to have a good defense. That's the big question. I think they'll fall off some guys this year, but uh, for what they can give up 13 to 18 points a game. I think the offense is going to be so much better. Uh, not going to beat Georgia if you don't uh, get a lot more points than that on this defense. Murray Poole joining us here on Three Now. Murray, while we had you, I, w- I wanted to ask you just. As someone who's covered the sport, I mean, you go all the way back to 19, uh, the, the 70s and 1980 where it was run the ball and play defense, run the ball and play defense. Uh, now you've seen the spread come in. And I'm sure if I would have asked you in 1980 covering the dogs, hey, 
you know Oklahoma and Texas are going to be in the SEC, you would have probably said I was crazy. Uh, then how do you, as someone who has watched this thing evolve from, uh, you know, conferences moving around, teams moving around, guys going independent, South Carolina, Arkansas coming in, Missouri, Texas A&M coming in, now Texas and Oklahoma coming in. Uh, where does this thing go? Where, where does someone who has seen this kind of evolve from the, the days of run the ball and play defense to where we're at now, what do you see for college football in the next five to six years as uh, obviously it's going to look vastly different? Yeah, Kevin, you know, I, as I look back on, I read through most of Lawrence Smith's book, I'll read Ben's too. Certainly the BJ was nice enough to get, get to me. And, uh, you know, you look back at some of those scores when football started in the 1890s, all the way up through I was in school in the 60s. You know, you had a lot of 7 nothing games. Uh, you know, uh, Georgia beat uh, in, the, in the Gator Bowl. Georgia beat uh, Bill, uh, Vince Dooley in 1971, beat his brother Bill Dooley 7 to nothing. You know, scores were sometimes two or three touchdowns. Uh, that's all they had. And, and you know, the sport has evolved, evolved so much with the spread offenses, the quarterbacks chucked it all over the field. Uh, you know, yet, yet uh, you know, it comes back to the running game. You saw what Georgia had to do on that uh, last drive that uh, Brock Bowers took a little swing pass from Stetson and scored. It put him ahead to stay. They took the ball on the ground and ran right at the heart of the Alabama defense. And I think it still comes down to running the ball well. Uh, you could throw it 50 or 60 times a game. Uh, but you you better have a running game to you know to, to run the clock, burn the clock when you got a lead, and not throw it. Every, it doesn't take but a couple of interceptions to get a team back in the game, you know. So it's it's really evolved, Kevin, uh, from offense to defense to guys. Uh, what we saw, you know, in Jordan Jenkins, you know, uh, a 300 some pounder could run like that, chase down quarterbacks. You didn't see it when I was in school. The biggest offensive lineman was 235, 240, 250. Ray Russmiller and Jim Wilson in the '64 Georgia team do this. First team, both made All-American at 235, 240 pounds. So I think you see the linemen have gained approximately 100 pounds per man through 50 years, and uh, it's just incredible where the game's changed. But it still comes down to blocking and tackling, guys. And uh, but it's still a great game to watch. And uh, college football will always be my favorite, I think. Murray, looking ahead to this weekend, uh, defending national champs taking on Oregon. What do you expect on Saturday? I'm, I'm really expecting a good game. I'm almost surprised by the 17-point spread. I think that's just because of Georgia being defending champions, B.J. Uh, you know, uh, uh, that's, that seems like a lot against a good Oregon team. As you all know, it came in beat, I believe it was last year, when it came into Columbus, Ohio, and beat Ohio State. So uh, you kind of worry about that a little bit. But I think, you know, in the Mercedes-Benz, it'll be predominantly uh, red and black fans, you know. And uh, I think uh, Oregon's got a great linebacker, you know, two great linebackers. One's All-American. They've, they've moved in a couple of 300-plus defensive linemen transfers is supposed to really bolster up that defense. And so, uh, you know, anyway, I think we're going to see Bo Nix on offense Saturday. Uh, I'm going up there. I don't get to too many games tomorrow, but I'm, I'm getting to this one and always a Florida game as I can <laughs> through the years. But, uh, yeah, I think uh, I think it's going to be the Georgia tight ends just, uh, you know, where they, they're going to try to run the ball, B.J., and, but I think you're going to see, the I believe, the best tight end uh, room in the country. Stand tall again with Brock Bowers, uh, Darnell Washington, Eric Gilbert, and a, a freshman who could start for a lot of people, Oscar Delk. So, uh, you know, I think Georgia's going to score enough points to win that game, but uh, it'll be interesting to see if this new Georgia defense, uh, you know, can uh, hold Oregon down. And, uh, you know, I think they're capable of probably holding to 14 to 17 points, but uh, I think Georgia's going to get up toward uh, 30, I think, in this game. But it should be a Good opening game, certainly number three in 11-11, so you don't know what's going to happen, guys. 
And Murray, you mentioned that. I mean, uh, that that that, uh, that three-headed monster at the tight end position. We know that uh, uh, Georgia's going to try to establish the run game uh, a lot more in 2022. But you mentioned Eric Gill, but he finally found a home, and we wish him the best with everything that happened uh, starting his career at LSU. You talk about Darnell Washington, who's definitely a a guy that uh, play, you know uh, going to make his money with his hand in the dirt and. I mean, you're talking about an athlete and Brock Bowers. Could these guys do something to the tight end position this year, not just for the SEC, but you look at the tight end position, how it continues to evolve. If these guys are as dominant as everybody expects them to be, could these guys, you know, revolutionize how we look at a three tight end set to make it a more of a normal thing in college football? Yeah, you know more about tight ends than I do, Ben. Uh, you, you had a pretty good uh, <laughs> bringing them out down in the Gatorland. Uh, but, uh, uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, in fact, you know, Georgia said they've got about eight or nine receivers. And, by the way, my, as I put in a punch for Randon Jernigan, our Glenn Academy, uh, Glenn County boy, he has had an outstanding spring and uh, had a, a good fall camp, too. And uh, he just missed a little time there for one scrimmage with a, with a heel injury or something that he originally hurt in baseball. And he's going to be on the scout team. He's not making a trip to Atlanta. But, but he's a kid that showed him his speed already. And, uh, he, you know, he's running that four 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 five mark. And, they just got you know, nine or ten scholarship guys ahead of him. So going, and I'm sure if he makes the name in camp, uh, in the scout team, kind of like uh, you know, Stetson Bennett did, he'll be. Uh, he's got another year after this one. So I just want to put a plug for Randon. But yes, I think Dan Georgia's got four guys they could put in on the field almost three and four at one time. Uh, and uh, Oscar Dale, they were talking about he's a combination wide receiver. We know Eric Gilbert's kind of a combination, despite his six five, two forty five, two fifty size. And uh, yeah, I mean we know Brock Bowers. He runs like a running back when he hits the open field. So, yeah, they could revolutionize the game with how many they play, being three or even you might see a four tight end set at one time, and there's no telling what Ted uh, um, Todd Muckins got up his sleeve. Uh, if it was a receiver, especially, uh, you know, are, are injury-prone a little bit, uh, these tight ends, I certainly could do the job, I think, with Stetson going to them and, uh, you know, Stetson running, Kendall Milton, Kenny McIntosh, and yeah, from my hometown to John Edwards, I think they're going to be in good shape running back and. uh Early Branson Robinson, the tatted kid from uh, Mississippi, could uh, help out too. So I just think the Georgia offense is going to be explosive with that McClendon to lead to uh, Broderick Jones that tackles up there, and uh, Xavier Trust, you know, and Tad Radledge back at guard, and Van Pran at center. This offensive line, uh, I think I saw, is voted number three or four in the country by one poll. So, yeah, Ben, I think they're going to really move the ball, and the tight ends are going to be instrumental in starting this very Saturday in what Georgia does this year. Murray Poole joining us here on 3 and Out. Again, Murray, I appreciate you coming on the show all the time. I, I mean, I, I want to say you were one of the probably first handful of guests I ever had on the radio show when I started doing this thing 22 years ago. So I, I've been talking to you a long time about the Georgia football, and I, I've always enjoyed our conversations, and I appreciate you coming on again today I, very, very, very much. Well, I appreciate all three, three of you guys. Like I say, whatever you're on, radio, TV, streaming, uh, call me anytime, and I uh, always love talking with you all. Appreciate it. Murray Poole joining us here on 3 and Out. And, uh, again, I don't know if he was the – I'm trying to think who the first guest was. I don't even know. It's been so long ago. But Murray's got to be right up there uh, with one of the first guys I ever had on in radio. Yeah, one of the all-time greats in 60 straight uh, Georgia-Florida yeah. games. We've got more to come here. It is 3 and Out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Amazing how big they got already. Oh, yeah, that's – I mean, that was <clears> – <throat> He was really tiny, but but, that, but, that, but you gotta give you gotta give our little ones a little credit. They, they, it's like they know how to do it. Like I could just see BJ saying, "All right, Cannon, uh, give me some. Just turn it on. I got this." Yeah, just, and, that's, and this is when they're much younger. Oh yeah, 
have uh, a lot of great uh, great times with the uh, the kiddos, including well, my children have caused more harm than they have. Uh, yeah. The son of I like yeah. how all of them say, you know, the son of Kevin Yeah, I like it. Rhett, Rhett got us banned on YouTube. <laughs> I saw them shut down the station twice. It was beautiful like, from a technological yeah. standpoint. No, 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 it's beautiful. I, I I can respect it. We've got more to come. We have a Ben Troop book. We're going to give it away. Nine one two three four two seven one eight four. We'll take it to the first caller. Get uncommon and unfinished. The Ben Troop story. We'll give that away. Nine one two three four two seven one eight four. Final hour on this Tuesday coming up next here on 3 and Out. Good to have you along. Here it is, 3 and Out. Kevin, BJ, and Ben. Glad you're making us a part of your day. A lot to get to here in the final hour. We'll hear from Chad Brown, former All-Pro NFL linebacker. Also, Larisha Harris with the ESPN and ACC Network. She actually started with us here way back when. Uh, and we'll talk to her about some college football and more coming up on the show. But... Uh, joining us here on the program with Advance uh, NIL, Luke Fedlam uh, joins us here on 3 and Out. Luke, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm great. Thanks so much for having me. Hey, appreciate you coming on. Obviously, this is year two of kind of the NIL. Do, do most people truly understand what NIL is? I mean, I, I guess we kind of do, but do, do layman's fans understand it's more than giving money to players at this point? Not really. Most most layman's fans still kind of believe that it's just about athletes making money but don't understand kind of what it actually means. Um, and, in fact, we do education with student-athletes all across the country. A lot of student-athletes don't fully understand what NIL is. When you think about it, the, the NCAA kind of flipped the switch real quick. So when this came about July 1st of last year, it was kind of a shock to a lot of people, student-athletes, coaches, administrators, and so – People are now in this year, too, trying to figure out what it is exactly and how to best navigate it. Luke, what's your message to student-athletes to help them find clarity? Because there's so much going on. Like you said, this has happened so fast. Uh, What's your message to bring clarity to the NIL front? First is to just slow things down. When student-athletes, you know, this idea of making money gets exciting, obviously, to them. But we tell them to slow things down and to understand what it is that you're getting engaged with. So we know that there are so many different ways in which student-athletes can engage and potentially make money that they need to just have a plan for what that looks like. We know that there are NIL collectives, and not, and not all NIL collectives are created equally. And then we look at you know, student-athletes who go directly to brands and companies to try to find deals or use marketing agents to find opportunities. Helping them understand to slow things down and be sure before they sign anything to understand exactly what it says. Luke, when I think about NIL, the first thing that jumps out of me is the fact that these players have so many opportunities that, that don't have to be monetary. There, there, is no, there is no floor. Like, you get to college. If I get to college as a student athlete, there are certain protocols that I'm going to benefit from, even if I don't know I'm going to benefit from them. Do you, do you educate these players and these coaches and these parents to let them know it doesn't always have to be monetary. You can attach yourself to brands to benefit what the brand does, not necessarily making sure you're putting money in your pocket. Well, absolutely. And there are, there are opportunities where when we're having these conversations, we're talking about you know when it comes to name, image, and likeness, a pure, a true name, image, and likeness deal has – what they call quid pro quo. It has the student-athlete providing a service, and for that service they receive some form of compensation. So that's required on both ends. Now that compensation, though, doesn't have to be putting money in my pocket. That compensation could be merchandise or other things. But helping student-athletes understand 
building a relationship with a brand, with a company, could have a, lo- a long-lasting positive impact in terms of an, a possible internship opportunity, possible job opportunities down the road, or just building that network for all of the business opportunities that could come with it you know, into the future. So helping the families and helping student-athletes understand that really is important. Luke Vedlam, Advance NIL, joining us here on 3 and Out. Luke, from your standpoint, what is the market for, for student-athletes in NIL? And I ask it in, in this vein, where we see guys get – uh, we hear about, obviously, the big-time money deals. But you see Spencer Rattler got a huge NIL deal, didn't really play much, now he's at another school. Quinn Ewers got a huge NIL deal, never played, now he's at another school. Uh, DJU at Clemson got a huge NIL deal, didn't have the greatest of seasons that people expected. What's the market for that? Are we just – is there – I know it's not supposed to be performance-based, but I imagine if you start talking seven figures towards certain guys, the fact that you're not playing in some cases – has to be tied into that. So what what do you see as kind of the developing market for NIL across college athletics? To be honest, the, the market is still in the process of developing. We're, we're one year into this. And when we look at football last year, yes, you know, Spencer Rattler, uh, DJU, right, Quinn, Quinn Ewers, there were a few kind of really big deals that shocked kind of the, the, the industry in the moment. But now when we look at NIL now, and the fact that there are NIL collectives at over 150 institutions, we've got linemen there that are getting paid 50000 100000 throughout the season. There are big numbers to a lot of players. And what we, what we are seeing is that over time, I think the industry is going to settle down a bit. Because there are certain things where we look at this large dollar investment in the student-athlete. The challenge that comes with that is, Ultimately, to the donor or the person who's contributing the asset, what's the return on the investment? If you look at some, some names for the big-named athletes, usually the quarterbacks or the big-name receivers or in basketball, right, those athletes oftentimes have a significant social media following so that even if they don't play or perform on the field, they still have that impact on social media, and they get the engagement, they get the, the high number of views on a particular brand or company. But when we talk about other athletes that maybe don't have that significant following, the question is, well, if they don't perform, you know, what is that value? And I think the market over time is going to determine what that value is. Right now, we just don't know. I know everybody talks about the national deals and the, and the, and the, you know, the, the big contracts, but how much value is there in regional deals or even local deals? There are way more deals happening right now at the regional and local level than at the national level. The national level, and let's think about this, too, because that's the same thing in the NFL. We've got NFL players, just a very small handful of NFL players that are at the top of their game, that are professional athletes. Very few are getting national brand deals. Mostly what you see are local deals that are within the market that their team is. And at the college level, it's the same way. So we're seeing a lot more of local businesses getting on board with student athletes at the local institution uh, for opportunities for them to engage in name, image, and likeness and we're seeing at the national level. And I think we're going to continue to see that as we go forward. Luke, how do we make sure these uh, collectives, how do we make sure all these collectives that's popping up, making sure that they, they kind of like, in a sense, have somebody to answer to? Because like you mentioned, the market, I mean, we still don't know what that is because if you're a big-time quarterback, big-time receiver, you're going to be able to get some big-time money if you attach your brand with another brand. But these collectives seem to do it a lot of different ways. But who's making sure the collectives, you know, are doing things the right way? Well, the NCAA is trying, um, and I'll just say I'll really 
couple of quotes on that word trying. Uh, they have recently added some, some guidelines to name, image, and likeness rules that say that name, image, and likeness collectives are not able to or not supposed to use the promise of NIL deals to recruit prospective student-athletes. That guideline came out uh, a couple months ago. And then just a couple weeks ago, they, the, the head of regulatory affairs and the head of enforcement for the NCAA sent out an email to all institutions saying, we need your help in investigating the potential wrongdoing as it relates to collectives and the recruiting of athletes, et cetera. That's a challenge. That is really a challenge. And there's no one that the, that the collectives are beholden to, generally speaking, um, except for you know, whatever the NCAA is com- going to potentially do from, a, from an enforcement perspective. I think that collectives, the bigger threat to collectives, and this is only to some collectives, some collectives are set up as, uh, as nonprofit organizations. And I think when you, have, when you have that nonprofit 501c3 designation, then you know that you're beholden to the IRS and to the state attorney general for charitable solicitation. So from that perspective, I think that we will see some oversight, but we know the IRS doesn't move quickly, so it'll be interesting to see when that starts to play out. This has all happened so fast, and a lot of us are still learning about it. What, what's next for name, image, likeness? What's, what's kind of the next iteration? I think the next iteration is really the schools, the institutions themselves saying, we're going to determine what name, image, and likeness looks like. Because right now, schools were really caught in a, a very reactive, reactionary mode, not proactive. Uh, most schools, the NCAA itself, did not believe that uh, NIL was going to happen and going to be approved, so they were caught really on their heels. I think that over time, we're going to start seeing schools be much more proactive to say, you know what, maybe we don't need these collectives that are, that are third parties that we have no control over. We're going to start figuring out ways to do this ourselves. And when we think about you know, the use of our schools' marks and logos and finding ways to tie that in uh, to make it attractive for brands to solely come through the school themselves to work with our student-athletes, I think we're going to have a much more proactive approach from schools from institutions as opposed to this just reactionary approach and having third parties dictate what nil looks like and luke i mean i you know go back to something i uh, spoke about earlier at what point does everybody really benefit it i mean you male female you know uh uh, revenue-generating sport, non-revenue-generating sport, because student-athletes have these same demands on their bodies. They have the same demands on their time. It's just because I don't pack $90,000, $100,000, I mean, 100,000-seat uh, stadiums doesn't mean that my impact isn't as big, even though I'm not make, bringing in money monetarily. At what point does every single student-athlete benefit from NIL? Because in my mind, until it does, it's still, you know, the rich getting richer. It's still, it's still a gated community because most of these athletes, they know about it, but they aren't benefiting from it at all. So it's interesting. I, I travel across the country. I speak to schools of, of all sizes, Power 5 schools, mid-majors and beyond, HBCUs. And uh, I am just at, uh, was just at Michigan State over the last two days talking with student-athletes across all their sports. And, you know, just as an example, the women's gymnastics team just signed a whole team name, image, and likeness deal for the entire team. It was announced last week. We're seeing uh, women's student-athletes in volleyball, in softball, in other sports, non-revenue-generating sports, Doing name, image, and likeness deals. You know, talking with, uh, I was just talking with a, a lacrosse player at a Power Five school who, because of his social media presence, is making over well over six figures uh, in name, image, and likeness deals. So, name, image, and likeness itself is an equal opportunity for student athletes of all sports, of all genders, to be able to go out and earn, 
of the opportunity to earn compensation. I think we're going to continue to see that. The challenge is that what really gets the headlines are the big, ridiculous you know, deals that we really don't even know if they're through authentically at uh, that level, but the big dollar deals that we're seeing, particularly in football, beyond that, deals are happening with athletes across sports every single day. Luke Fedlam, Advanced NIL, our guest here on 3 Out. Luke, really appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Hey guys, thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it. Luke Fedlam joining us here on 3 Out from Advanced NIL. And again, I think that's going to be a talking point every offseason um, is who's doing what, what schools are putting the most money in players' pockets. And I don't mean that in like, you know, the McDonald's bag kind of way, but uh, what, what schools, I mean, we've seen it. Ben, what'd you say? What, Billy Napier came in and said, I need $15 million. Mm-hmm. And they're like, for what? I need $15 million to make sure our student athletes are taken care of, mm-hmm. i.e. NIL deals and whatever, mm-hmm. and we're good. I, I think that's just the tip of the iceberg here. Well, that was great perspective on <laughs> where we are and kind of what's happening. And as he said, Ben, he thinks schools are going to start being proactive as opposed to reactive. And I think that, you know, yeah, very well may be the next step. If, if, if schools are indeed going to start being reactive, you know, or proactive and not reactive, let the school be able to give them something and have the collective. Because what happens is, you know, like I know Kevin and BJ, once these schools get involved, well, we already control everything that happens with This is a chance of saying, okay, what are they getting? What are they not getting? Which I think that could definitely serve some purpose. But I'm still giving you my time, my energy, you know, and everything I have. I just, I just care about making sure every single person getting something. And something, somebody said, well, Ben, what does something mean? Figure it out. I mean, you figured out how we figured out how to get coaches hundred million dollars, and and they leave within one year of that. So the fact that and, and I'm not counting people's money. If Gene Chizik is still getting money from Auburn, you can figure out how to get these players something. All I'm saying is figure it out. It's too many brands out there. We've got more to come here on Three and Out. We'll come back and we'll chat with someone who started with us way back when. Uh, BJ, you just saw her on the sidelines of. FSU and Duquesne last week with the ESPN and the ACC Network. Larissa Harris will talk some college football with her next. It's three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back here on three and out. Kevin, BJ, and Ben, glad you're making us a part of your days. We count it down here. One more show to go uh, after today as we uh, wrap up a a long run here of uh, three and out. It's been a a whole lot of fun, but we're not done yet. So uh, we're excited about that. But college football had a little bit of a sprinkling of week zero. Now we dive in uh, headfirst into uh, week one. And uh, joining us here on 3 and Out, she was but a, an intern way, way back in the day. Now with ESPN and the ACC Network, Larisha Harris joins us here on 3 and Out. Larisha, welcome. How are you? I'm good. How are you guys? Thank you for having me. Hey, we appreciate you coming on and uh, and joining us. And I, I got to say from afar, we're uh, we're excited to uh, to see how far – You've gone in your career. We, we, BJ and I especially remember way back when uh, you first came uh, and, and started interning with us for a, uh, for a little bit. And, uh, and now I will say that every time I, I hear you doing radio on a bowl game, I usually will text BJ and say, hey, Larisha's doing the Birmingham Bowl or, or whatever. So uh, we're, we're, we're proud of where, uh, where you've gone in your career. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. I mean, I would not have gotten this far, of course, without you all's assistance, your guidance. This whole thing. So I appreciate you all letting me be an intern and learning and finding my way. Hey, well, we we are like I said, we are, we are excited to see all that you've done, and uh, I know it was uh, like typical Florida weather last week uh, for Florida State uh, Duquesne, but uh, through the lightning, through the weather, you were there. Mike Norvell's team looked a little better. I know it was Duquesne, but 
Is that a sign that maybe they, they can turn a corner? Or we obviously will know more come Sunday night. We will know more, but I can say you can see and, and feel the difference with this team. Um, it, it's a lot more togetherness, a lot of cohesiveness. Um, and that has been the, that is the common theme that you will hear if you talk to them. It's a lot more togetherness. They are family oriented. Um, when I talked to Dylan Gabriel, the big offensive lineman, um, you know, the guy with a really nice big red beard, <laughs> he told me that this is one of the best teams that he's been on, and that's speaking from his entirety of playing football. So it goes to show that the culture that Mike Norvell is trying to build, I think the players are buying into it now. They've grasped it, grasped onto it. And so I think we will see a different team. I'm not going to say that they're going to dominate the ACC. They still have to, you know, continue to get their feet wet in that area. But they they will be a lot better than what we've seen in the past. Larissa, what's it like for you getting to travel week to week? Obviously, see these teams uh, up close and, and, and personal. Kevin mentioned you were at Florida State, uh, Duquesne. I know, obviously, you'll be somewhere you know, every week this fall. What's it like uh, traveling, working with uh, uh, analysts like Roddy Jones, and just getting to interview these players and coaches and be right there every single week? Well, right now, I'm a little torn because I am a new mommy. I have twins. They're 10 months old. And so leaving them, I'm like, oh, my God, I have to leave my babies, you know. But mama has to work, so um, I have to go. But it is, it's a lot of fun getting to see the different facilities, getting to go to the different college campuses. It's always been a desire of mine to go to all of these schools and to see their facilities and stuff. And so that's, you know, been great for me to be able to check that off my bucket list. But it's fun seeing the players and the coaches in person because you get to know them. You get to know the players on a personal level. Um, you, you build that, those connections with the players, and it helps, of course, with the broadcast and, and telling about the team even more. So I enjoy it. I enjoy the travel. Um, I enjoy going to the different schools and the different places that I've never been. So, yeah, I love it. Like this week I'm going to Winston-Salem to Wake Forest on Thursday, and then I'm off to Boston College on Saturday. These are schools that I've covered before, but I've never covered them at home. So I'm excited. I'm excited to go check out these uh, these schools and, and work from their campuses for the first time. Well, Larissa, congratulations on becoming a mommy times two. I mean, having twins, I mean, wow. I mean, they woo. Make, you know, that's that's but congratulations to that. But even even with the ACC as a whole, where do you see the reputation of the ACC? Because everybody's trying to go to these super conferences, everybody trying to add this and subtract that. If, if Notre Dame does indeed decide to, you know, stick with the ACC, you know, and uh, through you know, with football and not just in every other sport, how much does that help boost the reputation of the ACC? Well, I think eventually they're going to have to kind of go with the flow, if that makes sense. Um, you don't want to be the only Power Five conference that's not making a move to better your, different, your various schools. So I think it is something that's going to have to be considered. It's going to take some time and a lot more, you know, uh, thoroughness, if that makes sense, a lot more looking to see what will be the best fit or the best move for the conference. But – Again, if you if you want to expand, if you want this conference to grow and also build a better reputation as it pertains to football, a more dominant rep- reputation, then 
Larissa Harris joining us here on uh, Three and Out. And, and Larissa, you mentioned the ACC. Who is the the team that is is Clemson going to be a team? Everybody thinks. Uh, ben and I have joked about this. Everybody thinks Clemson had a bad year last year. They won ten games. They just weren't as good as we've seen. Uh, now you lost your defensive coordinator going out to uh, to Oklahoma. Is Clemson going to be right there in the national discussion, or they still have a ways to go to to kind of make people feel good about putting them in the uh, in the playoff? I think they'll. He'll be there. Um, I know it's not a Clemson that people are typically accustomed to. Ten games, oh, wow, it's just not great, right? But, I mean, it, it wasn't a bad schedule. It wasn't a bad um, season last year. It may not be what we were accustomed to before, where it was just pure dominance, right, where there was clearly no question. But I don't think they won't be a part of that conversation. They'll still be there. Their quarterback, DJ, I mean, the man is good. Like, you can't take away his talent, and he's going to do what he needs to do. They still have the weapons around him. So, I don't think it's a a question that they won't be a part of that national conversation. They'll still be there, even if it's not in a manner. Of course, like I said, what we're accustomed to, they'll still be there. Larissa, what are your expectations for Georgia Tech? I mean, can, can Jeff Collins and the Yellow Jackets make some progress this season? Well, we hope so. Right? I mean, all we can do is, is hope that something changes there. Um, I'm, I'm anxious to see what, they, what they're going to do, what changes they're going to make to better themselves. But, again, all we can do is just hope that something, you know, we'll, we'll see progress there. Mario Cristobal has you know, made a big splash since he became the head coach of Miami. I mean, you see what he's doing in, in recruiting. I, I'm 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 gonna stay away from the is the U back, but is the U gonna be one of those teams to make some noise this season? Okay, and I think it all depends on how well they gel, right? Like they've done a phenomenal job in the transfer portal, bringing in these different coaches to be a part of this staff. You know, they they've done what they needed to do to build there. And so my hope is that that cohesiveness, that that chemistry is there. And then we'll probably see it because they have it. Like, it's there, right? The biggest thing is just can they mix well? And so my hope is that they will have a little spark. I won't say that the U is all the way back, but I think we're on the right track. I think think the steps are being made there for us to see a different Miami than what we've seen before. And I know around the country, most people talk about the SEC and then maybe the Big Ten, but you look in the national polls, and there are obviously a lot of ACC teams there. We haven't even talked about NC State much this preseason. I mean, how good do you think this league is and can be compared to some of the other leagues this fall? I really think NC State is going to shock a lot of people. Let me just put that out there. I really think they are. Now, I'm not going to say that they might. They are going to, you know, completely dominate the ACC and take that title, but I do think they're going to shock a lot of people. Um, again, I, I think this league is good. I, I think you have a lot of great quarterbacks in this league. I think there are a lot of great players and great things that are happening. You just got to give it a chance, and we're going to see what takes place, right? You never know what's going to happen. You never know the true outcome of it, right? These are all of our predictions. But I think we've, we're going to see some good ACC football this year. 
Now, Larissa, you said you're going to be in, what, a Winston-Salem, I think, on Thursday, and you got to be in, like, Boston College on, on Saturday. But you and Mommy Times, too. What What is that like, having twins? <laughs> Larissa now with the babies, what is that like? Well, if you hear them in the background now, I just picked them up from nursery, so <laughs> we are headed back home. But, oh, my God, I, I love being a mom. It truly is one of my greatest accomplishments. Um, let's just say it is eventful every day. My little girl is the dominant twin. She's rolling and walking and, and pulling up and pulling everything down, whereas my son, he just he wants all the love. And uh, he just wants to roll. So <laughs> it's a lot of fun. I truly enjoy being a mom. And um, let's let, let's just say uh, sleep is no more a part of my life. <laughs> and, um, yeah. <laughs> hey, Larisha, all three of us have been there. And I will say, enjoy this part because once they start running and walking, it's a whole other level of crazy. Well, pray for me, you guys, because I have another gate because my son we call him little bam bam he's so strong like he just he destroyed the gate that we had before so i had to get another one like just pray for me y'all because they are in the, that early phase of walking like they they're trying so hey absolutely congratulations on that <laughs> congratulations on all your success She's going to be in Winston-Salem, Wake Forest, VMI on Thursday, and then Boston College Rutgers there on Saturday, both on ACC Network. Larissa, appreciate you coming on and joining us. Thanks so much. Thank you, and congratulations, and great job on everything, you guys. You all have been phenomenal, and I've thoroughly enjoyed you all. Thank you for everything. Hey, we appreciate it, Larissa. Thank you so much. And uh, Larissa Harris joining us here on uh, 3 and Out. We can catch her on ACC uh, Network. And Coming congratulations, yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Just, just an awesome talent, and congratulations. And we, we got Larisha. I think she had been like at the Bethune Cookman, right? Yep. And she came and worked in uh, in an intern with us during uh, a football season, and you knew like, yep, she's gonna go do big things. Yep. So, uh, so uh, that was uh, one of those things. It, it makes a whole lot of sense what she's doing now, and you can see her on Thursday and on a Saturday on uh, on ACC Network. We've got more to come. Here it is, three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back. Here it is, 3 and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Kevin, BJ, and Ben, glad you're making us a part of your day college football getting kicked off in mass uh, here week one uh, coming up starting on Thursday. Then we got games Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday uh, to get things going. Joining us here, 15-year NFL veteran, former Colorado Buffaloes linebacker, won a national title with Colorado, three-time pro bowler, two-time all-pro uh, selection, currently uh, TV analyst, uh, for NCAA football, been an institute analyst for the Pac-12 Network, uh, and more. Chad Brown joins us here on Three and Out. Chad, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm fantastic, fellas. How you guys doing? Uh, we're doing fantastic. As a, a Colorado Buffs, I know they were not in the Pac-12 uh, when when you played there uh, as well. But as a guy who is obviously following college football, what do you make of the realignment that's happening out west? Well, obviously, we're on the other side of the country, but. When we see Southern Cal and UCLA say they want to play games in Rutgers and you know Penn State uh, be a part of the Big Ten, what does that say to you? And where does that leave teams like Colorado and others out there on the West Coast or in the West? Uh, it's uh, it's unfortunate the, the the realignment for folks who are you know I guess fans of uh, traditional geographical rivalries. Um, but this is the way the college football is going. I believe five years from now, seven years from now, maybe as long as ten years from now. Uh, there'll be two power conferences up top, the Big Ten and the SEC. Uh, they will continue to grab the leftovers from the Pac-12 and the ACC 
in the Big 12, and those will be the two power conferences up top. They will compete for the Tier 1 National Championship. All those schools in, the, in that category will, you know, obviously share the revenue from the tremendous deals that those conferences will sign, but they will also uh, be in a upper uh, echelon as far as NIL deals available to their athletes. So for my Colorado Buffalo to somehow return to the glory days of, of my time, I just don't see how that's really possible. The Pac-12 doesn't contribute the same amount of money as the Big Ten and the SEC do to the schools and the media deals. And the Buffaloes don't have a, a billionaire booster, like say they have in Miami, who gave the incoming freshman quarterback a $9.3 million NIL deal. There's no one like that for the Colorado Buffalo. So how, how do these kind of teams that are in the same place as Colorado, how can they compete with these teams at the top, the Clemsons, the Ohio States, the Alabamas, all those kinds of schools? So USC and UCLA to leave the Pac-12 and go with the Big Ten, I understand you got to chase the money, try to grow your program any way you can. And they've also got enough booster bases where I think they can beat as far as NIL deals. But uh, it leaves behind this lower layer uh, of schools that I think will have to move down into Tier B, Tier C, and try to compete for a national championship at that level as opposed to that Tier A national championship. All right, Chad, we're talking about championships. Now, Colorado obviously won one in 1990, but we're in the state of Georgia and Georgia Tech fans obviously will say they, they won one in 1990. You guys have a championship. They have a championship. Obviously, it was a different format. But what was that like for, you, for, for college football, for you, for Colorado, where you have a split national championship, which happened a couple of times, uh, obviously, in a previous era? But what was it like playing in, in, in that era and winning a championship in that era? Uh, obviously, winning a national championship, uh, shared or not, is Amazing. Um, you know, for those who say, you know, uh, you guys weren't real national champions, I am quick to pull out my national championship ring, number one on it, made in diamonds. So uh, I do have that to speak, <laughs> speak for my national championship. Uh, and for folks who want to, you know, push back on us, play the nation's toughest schedule. But to go through the gauntlet of the nation's toughest schedule and still emerge as national champions, um, I think that says a lot about that team, what we were able to accomplish. Uh, the amount of uh, professional players that were on that team, the amount of coaches who went on and had success in other places. I'm very proud of my time at, at Colorado. But as, as I just mentioned a second ago, uh, it's difficult to see how those glory days return with the current landscape of college football. Chad, I'm always asked about you know uh, college locker rooms, NFL locker rooms, and how interesting the most interesting people we're going to meet it's on our same team. You're going to be we, – because football has been a part of our lives so much, but we have a passion away from the game. I have heard every passion there is, and then I see yours. And I see ship my reptiles. What – what does – I know what that entails, but how were you able to keep your love of football, obviously have an incredible career, but also, you know, uh, never ever walk away from your passion of, you know, reptiles and nature and things of that sort? Well, you know, I just finished up the Broncos preseason games. I did those on television here in Denver. And Steve Levy, from Monday Night Football, uh, was the play-by-play guy for all three of those broadcasts. So over the course of those three games, Steve and I had a couple of dinners. We had some drinks. Uh, and so Saturday night after the last preseason game, uh, we were sharing a drink, and he's like, man, you are one interesting dude. Uh, and so he was kind of talking about the reptile things, but also a couple other things that I'm interested in. Yeah, but to your point, uh, uh, yes, your teammates are always some interesting characters. Uh, within a locker room, we tend to come from 
all places around the country, various backgrounds, rich, poor, all that kind of stuff. Um, for me, I've always had this passion for animals. Um, growing up, I used to watch uh, Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom. So that was like a nature show before there was a crocodile hunter. Um, so that's where that passion kind of started and came from. had a lifelong uh, interest in reading and learning, so I learned about animals as a kid. In Southern California, I grew up kind of on the, on the hillside with some mountains, so snakes and lizards and frogs were in my backyard. Once I got to the University of Colorado, I kind of grew my passion and started pro-exotic reptiles, but we sold and bred uh, exotic reptiles and sold them all over the world for a period of time. Um, and then about 10 years ago, I started Ship Your Reptile, and uh, now I help other people send their reptiles to where they need to go. So whether you're a reptile breeder or a hobbyist, you want to sell reptiles to somebody, or maybe you're a military family and you need to get little Timmy's turtle from Texas to Tennessee, I can help you do that as well. So I move reptiles and uh, aquatics, fish, coral, koi, aquatic plants, um, all over the country for literally thousands of customers every single week. I mean, Chad, that being said, I mean, I don't know what I don't know what neighborhood you live in, but I guarantee you when there is a loose anything, they'll call you before they call anybody else, right? Uh, <laughs> I uh, know all the uh, fish and wildlife agents and all the animal control agents. There's no doubt about that. And they often contact me when they find something loose, not because they think it's mine, but because maybe they want to know how to handle it or what species it is or could I help them capture it. Chad Brownjoy, what is the largest reptile you have you have shipped or, or dealt with? Oh, wow. Well, as a breeder, um, I had a 18-foot Burmese python. And she would lay about 75 to 90 eggs every year. She was a tremendously docile and tame animal, uh, kind of like an ambassador kind of animal. You could take her out and throw her to anybody, and she was always calm and collected. Um, but shipping... Uh, the really, really large reptiles are difficult to ship. Those need to go air cargo. Most of my reptiles I ship uh, through FedEx. I have a contract with FedEx. Um, but I've shipped some uh, very rare and, you know, expensive species. I have shipped $75,000 albino alligators for a breeder in Florida to his customer out in Alaska. Uh, I've shipped uh, $65,000 Galapagos tortoises for zoos. So, yeah, um, you know, at this point I am the country's largest reptile shipper of any sort, um, and all the folks who need reptile ship to come to me. All right, Chad, I, I, I got to say, if I'm working in the shipping business and I come see you and you say, hey, there's a 15-foot python in this box, I'm not picking it up. That's all. I mean, you're going to have to find somebody else. What do people say when you're like, yeah, I need these albino alligators to make it across the country, and don't worry, they'll probably jump around a little bit, but it's fine. Well, obviously, the packaging is critically important. And so I have some very strict packaging standards, um, you know, that animals travel with. And, you know, we got approvals from all the highest levels at FedEx to do what we do. And, you know, there was, uh, you know, conversation with the pilots union and conversation with the folks who drive the trucks. We had to ensure all those folks that they would be safe, that the animals would be packaged properly. And then we have a size limit. So there's no 15-foot pythons moving through the FedEx system. It's just simply too large. It has to go through air cargo. Um, so basically, something that can fit into a cardboard box. The majority of the reptile industry is made up of people who actually buy babies, raise those up. So we tend to ship very small baby reptiles. That's going to make up 90% of our shipments. All the big stuff is a very small percentage of our company's volume. 
Chad, I'm just saying, if 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 the Miami Dolphins call you to go to go start broadcasting them, are you down there in South Florida? Do you know how much money you're gonna make with all that stuff down there? <laughs> uh, I got a lot of friends who live in South Florida who have uh, breeding facilities out there. Um, yeah, and I'm familiar with all the uh, exotic uh, escapees that are in South Florida with the iguanas and the tegus and the Burmese pythons. There's a couple species of frogs and geckos that are also. Uh, invasive species to that area. So, yeah, I am, I'm well aware of what's happening down there. Chad, back to football for a minute. We were looking at your stats, looking at your resume uh, before the interview. Just incredible. Over 1,000 career tackles in the NFL, 79 sacks, 17 forced fumbles. You've seen the linebacker position obviously become a, a glamour position. What was, it par- what was it like being a part of kind of pioneering the, the, the playmaking linebacker, and how have you seen that position evolve uh, to where it is in the NFL today? Uh, linebackers today are, you know, they are the defensive quarterbacks, essentially. They are the defensive stars. Guys like T.J. Watt, you know, they're the top five players in the league. They get commercials and stuff that only quarterbacks used to get in the past. So, you know, I won't take any credit for that. Uh, I'll give uh, Dom Capers and Dick LeBeau and Bill Cower credit for that, for developing that Blitzburg defense that they still run to this day, the 3-4 style defense where the edge guys or the outside guys get featured. You know, I played with Kevin Green, rest in peace, Hall of Famer, gold jacket guy, Greg Lloyd for five years. He was the, the baddest man in football, 12-degree taekwondo, black belt, should be in the Hall of Fame. So watching guys like that play that position before I had a chance to move out there and the ability to make plays and really attack offenses, you know, strip balls from ball carriers, sack quarterbacks, force fumbles, all that. Um, you know, I wasn't taught as a high school kid or as a college guy to strip the ball from the quarterback. It wasn't until I got to Pittsburgh that I realized, oh, there's more to do than just sacking the quarterback. I can make a play here. I can turn the game around with one play. So uh, that whole playmaking aspect is something – uh, that certainly wasn't part of my youth football experience, but once I got into the NFL, uh, that has been part of it. And now that is more and more uh, a, a, a focused area of NFL defenses, the linebackers in particular. I've done four coaching internships in the NFL with the Jets, the 49ers, the Seahawks, and the Titans. And almost every single day working with the linebackers of the defensive line, we were focused on teaching those guys not just to make a play, but to be playmakers, to turn the tie of the game, strip a ball away, punch a ball out, tip a ball, cause an interception. That, that kind of playmaking ability is now being coached day in and day out. Chad Brown joining us here, 15-year NFL vet, as he said, won a national championship with the uh, the Colorado Buffaloes, played with the Steelers, the Patriots on their uh, Super Bowl uh, teams, and now with Ship Your Reptile as doing it all over the, all over the globe. Uh, Chad, really appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me on, guys. I certainly appreciate it. You guys have a good one. We'll do. Chad Brown joining us here on three and out, and nope, not doing it. Not I'm not handling a. a oh, bo- no, I don't no. care if it's a baby one. Not doing Chad it. Chad said you come to my crib. I said no, 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 no. You coming to my crib to do what? <laughs> I mean, I want to show you this. Uh, no, nope, nope. Because you saying exotic. Yeah, not gonna. I don't do even want to deal with the baby lizards in my crib. I ain't dealing with that. We've got more to come. Braves and Rockies coming up when uh, in just a little bit. We'll get you set up for that here on three and out. She a Florida fan. <laughs> Braves and, uh, and Rockies uh, tonight. Jose Urania, uh, the one of loving to plunk Ronald Acuna fame, uh, is pitching for 
The uh, the Rockies, Max Free tonight goes for win number 13. And Jesse Chavez back in the house. You uh, were BJ. excited about that. Why not? He, he's, he's old as all get up, but the dude could get people out. That's what you need. Why wouldn't you say that first? Like, he gets people out, but he's also old. Like, well, both are true. Them. Both are true. Look, this is all I know. Braves are playing Kevin's Rockies. That's a sweep. Yep. And the Mets, guess who they have? The Dodgers. There you go. So good it's time, time to, to get right. Good time to make up some games. Appreciate Luke Fedlam, Larisha Harris, Chad Brown joining us. Final hour, Murray Poole, Rich Tiles, Hour 2, DJ Shockley, and the one, the only, Matt Osborne from way back at the beginning of 3 and Out joined us in hour number one. We got one more to go, folks. We'll see you tomorrow here on 3 and Out.